Hi everyone, it's Ben Starr here. You're listening to and or watching The Gooncasts 2023 Stuff That Happened and Things They Liked in It, maybe. Um. <laughs> okay, great. Um. Guess what, guys? Three hours in, and we finally get to talk about. We finally get to gush about things. <laughs> oh, good lord! We get to switch gears and talk about things that we didn't hate. Which you know. I don't want to. I'm going to talk about more stuff I hate. Oh, oh good. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just dive right in then for this yeah. for the sake of making sure this isn't a six hour podcast. Isn't that too late for that, buddy? Yeah, yeah we're we're two hours um, and forty minutes in. Let's go. I'm gonna already start off with something uh, totally out there. Oh, yeah. Do you have number any honorable on, mentions? I I'll get there in a second because I'm just building a little hype because my number ten on my list it has already been mentioned in someone's worst or disappointing list. Oh. Gasp. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh. All right. So yeah, my quick rapid fire. If it's Balan, I'm just gonna slap you. Because because again, there was there was a big pool of shit this year to pick yes. from for like my yes. eight to ten spot. Yes. Um. So just super quick because there was a lot of material. The live action Netflix One Piece slaps. Um. Mm. Okay. I this cool. is only an honorable mention because I did not finish it. If I did, I believe it would have been a strong contender for my game of the year. Hi Fi Rush. Nice. Uh, surprise hit Five Nights at Freddy's, the live action movie was fucking great. Mm -hmm. uh, Beyond the Spider Verse, fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, both parts of the Barbenheimer double feature, fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, a supernatural possession thriller called The Wailing, fucking great. Mm -hmm. uh, Castlevania Nocturne, great. Nice. Um, and then a, a little, you know, a little classic that maybe. The bulk of gamers out there haven't had the pleasure of of getting into, but just strictly for what an enjoyable piece of garbage that it is. Ape War. Oh yeah, Ape War was yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. We only played it once. Y'all gotta get in on it. <laughs> we only played Ape War once. Hell yeah. But Ape War was great. That was we gotta, so we gotta, funny. We gotta play more Hell Ape yeah. War. Yeah, yeah, we Hell do actually. Uh, and then just to finish checking off the boxes, uh. My favorite book this year was The Narrow Road Between Desires by Patrick Rothfuss. My favorite Ooh. lewd game was Flip Witch. And uh, Song of the Year is Neon Noir by Vili Valo. Nice. Diving in. Number 10. I fucking loved Puss in Boots The Last Wish. <laughs> I fucking oh, yeah. love this movie. Let's go! Outbackly! <laughs> Duke it out. <laughs> I I like when characters or like offshoots of the source material take on their own life. Mm -hmm. Puss in Boots started in Shrek 2 and then became his own thing. And like, I didn't like the first Puss in Boots movie. I'm like, okay, here they go. They're capitalizing off the character's success. I get it. It's Antonio Banderas and he's a cat. Ah. Mm -hmm. And then they had, they had like, uh series too they had like a tv show yeah yeah, yeah. which i had totally forgotten about yeah. um me too i then... think everyone did because for good reason <laughs> and then like everybody else when the internet machine kind of came online and started talking about this i'm like okay what's the deal with this thing mm -hmm. and everybody's talking about the wolf death and i'm like okay this looks pretty dope all right let me check it out and then within five minutes this thing turned into attack on titan <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. And I can see absolutely what you mean with the strange animation choices. Mm-hmm. When it works, it hits really well. Yes, um, agreed. And you know that that AOT sequence to to kick things off, where he's fighting like an elemental. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I and I I mentioned this yesterday to my co-hosts um, that I had to go back and rewatch this yesterday mm. just to make sure. Like, am I? I feel like this is my number ten. But I've just got to go back and rewatch it just to make sure. And yeah, as recent as yesterday, I, f- I fuck with this movie so hard. That's, that's so wild to me. Because if I was if I was going, I, and I did not put a an animated movie on my best of list, which um, is kind of a bummer, but I, well, I, I mean, I do have some animation on it. Uh-huh. But uh, if I was going to pick one this year, it probably would have been Spider-Verse. Fair. Um, yeah, I, that that also stuck out to me. I, I had to yeah. ask myself, did I really like this more than Spider-Verse? Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed. And I guess I did. Okay, all right. <laughs> I guess I did. I don't know. I, I Damn found son. myself I found myself still laughing at stuff in this movie on a second rewatch. Mm, okay. And just added it like the Cockney accent, you know, Goldilocks and the Bears, like starting a crime syndicate is just, oh, that's so good. Yeah, I I loved it. You know, the 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 wolf character death like really lives up to the, all the internet hype. Definitely the highlight. I, of the I movie. agree. I agree with that. <laughs> um, for for what's just supposed to be a kids movie, it kind of does the thing that the first Pokemon movie did, where you're watching it and then Mewtwo just like drops philosophical bombs on you. <laughs> You know, like you're 10 and you're like, oh, I got to go see Pokemon. And Mewtwo is mm-hmm. like the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It's what we do <laughs> with the gift of life that determines who we are. And I'm like, whoa, yo. Whoa. <laughs> like, Excuse what? me. And like Last Wish is driving home this message of like, you know, home is what you make of it. And you've got to value your life while you have it because it won't always be around. Like, I don't know. It's just it hit for me. So, yeah, okay. Puss in Boots, Last Wish, number 10. All right. I will say, since I already mentioned Velma, um, the portrayal of panic attacks and how to deal with them in uh, Puss in Boots was yeah. like night and fucking day compared to their portrayal in Velma, which was the fucking biggest scar. Like most people, even people who like don't, you know, know panic attacks, they're like, I don't think you're supposed to kiss somebody to get somebody out of a panic attack. That's don't do that. Don't kiss your friends if they're having a panic attack. <laughs> No, like, I, I love that how, like, yeah. and they even put it's it so through, like, great. the cat filter of, like, yep. while he's having a panic attack, his fur is starting to stand on end. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it, so it, it, was, it was really good. Again, that was one of the things that, tum- again, that and, like, the death stuff was were, like, the things that Tumblr was like, ooh, this is awesome. And I'm like, I agree. But there's still, you know, the other <laughs> half of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, totally yeah, fair. No, fair enough. All right. Very nice. What you got? Okay, so my honorable mentions, most of them uh, kind of already been covered a little bit, so I'll just rattle them off. Uh, the Wailing, I saw at Lee's insistence, and it yes. was it was very good. Um, it definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, I thought, I, I didn't like the ending, and then I read about, like, the, like, the, the final scene that they had planned, that they, like, I think they shot it and it's like on the DVD and I'm like if that had been the if the final scene had been in the movie I would have not had a problem I would have mm-hmm. loved it um yeah. so that was like my only thing where I was like uh for a three-hour movie the end kind of just felt very like oh okay um didn't feel conclusive 
But anyway, um, in regards to Barbie and Oppenheimer, uh, I am somebody who um, in like high school and college, I did a lot of like reading on like nukes and specifically like the history and all this stuff. Um, Oppenheimer is a figure that I'm aware of, but I never actually read any like bios of him. I have read a lot about like the history of Los Alamos and like all of the, you know, like I've, I've read a lot of like firsthand accounts of like survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So it is a topic that I'm really interested in. And therefore I really liked what Nolan did with it. Um, I thought that uh, there was, there were scenes I really liked, um, things I really enjoyed about it. I I liked that it was like a courtroom drama for half of it. Like I was like, that's pretty cool. Like that's an interesting way to approach this. Um, I thought that there was like, basically like, I know I've heard a lot of criticism about how it wasn't really about the victims and it wasn't about like that. And it's like, okay, well, it's not really supposed to be, you know, yeah. it's a biopic of a dude and then it's a biopic of like the science dude. And so it is very much a, like, we didn't, you know, w- we were so busy trying to figure out if we could do it that we didn't think about if we should, yeah. like, that's the whole point of the movie. And I thought personally that the, the scene after the bomb drops where he's in the auditorium and he starts to see, like, I thought it got a little gauche. Um, mm-hmm. frankly, I, 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 in the beginning when it was just the theater went silent and everything went white i was like in tears and then they kept going and i was like okay this is not as good because i'm i'm again i just it's it's this is a part of history that i'm like very affected by where i'm like this was a very fucked up thing that we did and and it was the 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 results of it were really fucked up and yeah i won't get into the politics of it but it's like damn that was fucking weird um, also, shout out to Fermilab, which made a, an appearance uh, in the in the film, uh, which is 20 minutes from my hometown. <laughs> nice. Um, so and then uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Also, I thought that was a banger. Um, I didn't you know, again, this was a really fucking good year for movies. It just didn't quite make the list, but it was very good. Um, and then spicily enough, I also have something on my honorable mentions list that was on somebody else's uh disappointing list yes uh which is the resident evil 4 remake <laughs> hey um i so i i will i will start by saying i have never experienced resident evil 4 before the remake so i don't have sort of the like preconception of how it was or how it should be um and i think as a whole as a whole game it was it was enjoyable um, again, I, I've complained at length about Ashley and, like, the AI uh, in the game being utterly terrible. But I enjoyed the game itself, um, especially for, like, you know, the, the RE engine style, like, new games. Uh, I liked the story a lot. I know it's, like, basically one-to-one for the original, like, give or take. So I was like, I dig it. It was fun. Um, but yeah, and I but also I'm, like, I'm coming in completely fresh. I have no nothing so um and last but not least my number 10 is higher on someone else's list (laughs) oh my god oh my god all right um i guess that's me now um hell yeah quick honorable mentions in regards to not being able to finish before the end of the year uh and i haven't uh squeezed it in before the recording this podcast 
Uh, Super Mario RPG Remake. I never played the original, but uh, so far the little that I played, uh, I know this would have been a strong contender for my list if I had been able to finish it. Uh, same thing for Alan Wake 2. I didn't get around to finishing it, and uh, the little I have played of it, I think I'm about halfway through the game, uh, I very much enjoyed uh, speaking of Alan Wake, though, another strong honorable mention is Alan Wake's American Nightmare. I got a double mm. Alan Wake uh, uh, honorable mention. Uh, mm. American Nightmare was a uh, little standalone game, not quite DLC. Like it's 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 basically like uh, I, I I suppose the the best way to describe it is like it's a midquel. It's it's even debatable mm. if it's like still canon at this point. Um, the idea is like Alan is trapped in an episode of Night Springs that he wrote. Night Springs is effectively the Alan Wake's universe of the Twilight Zone. And mm. he's primarily dealing with Mr. Scratch and he's caught in a time loop. Uh, I thought it was quite charming and a lot of fun and especially getting to see uh, Ilke Vili and um, I, I can't remember how to pronounce Alan's uh, voice actor. Uh, uh, Matthew Peretta, I think, uh, in a, the dual role of uh, Alan and Mr. Scratch, and he's just such, he's so fucking delightfully evil as Mr. Scratch. Uh, yeah, it's charming and a lot of fun. Uh, next up is the first three films of Neil Breen's filmography. Um, God! <laughs> uh, Double Down, I Am Here Now, and uh, fateful findings. Uh, pa I, I pass through. Put those on any list. No. Pass no. through. Pass through is not on the list because pass through was almost unwatchable. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun with all three of those movies. Um, yes. next up, the most surprising honorable mention is DOA: Dead or Alive. Yes. <laughs> it was way more fun than it had any fucking right Hell to be. Yeah. It's a Hell piece yeah. of shit, but it knows it's a piece of shit and it just has yeah. fun with it. Um, yeah. Next up is uh, uh, Evil Dead Rise. Uh, really strong fucking movie, but just. Yeah. I mean, again, my, my similar to Lee, my 8 to 10 could have easily been anything from the honorable mentions. I just kind of picked at random, more or less. But Evil Dead Rise was really fucking strong. Uh, next up is uh, Amnesia the Bunker, <laughs> which is uh, the fourth Amnesia game. The first one with actual survival mechanics besides running and hiding. It's got some frustrating, tedious shit to it, uh, which is mildly annoying. But uh, it has, it's designed for replay value where like uh, specific resources are kind of randomized in their location. And it's very much inspired by immersive sims where you can solve a lot of problems with creative thinking, which I've, I've for years now, I've always wanted to see an immersive sim horror game. And while yeah. this is not quite exactly what I want, it's pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. And the final one is uh, the puppet combo produced uh, uh, black-eyed priest developed Ding Dong Dead. Yeah. Uh, which is Absolutely. a short little horror game that you can get by backing Puppet Combo's Patreon for five bucks. 
Uh, it is also an immersive sim horror game. It's heavily inspired by uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. You play as a babysitter and you're babysitting a shit kid on Halloween night and uh, a serial killer known as the Ding Dong Ditcher Ripper has escaped from captivity and is on the prowl and uh, you have to basically kind of do your babysitting duties and prep for the inevitable arrival of the serial killer and try to survive. It has multiple endings. Uh, it's not terribly long. I think it took me like an, an hour on my very first playthrough and I got a shit ending because I fucking died. And then on my second playthrough where I, I uh, looked in how to survive, uh, I got... I think it was like a 45 minute, half hour, 45 minutes to, 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 to complete... Uh, the developer, I don't know if it's been updated yet, but he's expressed his intention on uh, adding more immersive sim elements and, and more stuff to the game. So it's like, it's not, it's, it's, it's out, but he's adding more content to it for free, which is like, that's super admirable, especially for this super, super passion project, low budget indie game that is available through a fucking Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was great i love it and it was like possibly the most tense i've been in a horror game in years uh it was fun i liked it nice. on to my number 10 a very 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 late edition mm -hmm. thanksgiving hey nice. i i this movie is dumb but it it's knows it's dumb uh, -huh. uh and i really enjoyed it yeah it was a lot of fucking fun yeah uh i don't like eli roth movies i have <laughs> yeah, never yeah, been an same. eli roth fan uh uh um, he just like went into hibernation and came out and like was yeah like, I like good movies what was, now. <laughs> what was that first fucking movie he did cabin something cabin, cabin fever. fever uh <laughs> cabin fever is a piece of shit Hostel's a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, everything I've Hostel Two is a piece of shit. Uh, everything I've heard of and and read about his other films, uh, I'm not a fan of. Like the fucking um, Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves, The Green oh, Inferno. My, oh God! Um, God, he made that. That movie sucked. <laughs> yeah, he he he's he's not a very good filmmaker. He seems kind of douchey. He's also a terrible actor. Like as much as I love Inglorious Bastards, yeah, he's, he's the worst part of Inglorious Bastards. Absolutely, I like the character. I just don't like him in the role. Mm -hmm. uh, but Thanksgiving kind of really clicked for me, which was a huge goddamn surprise for those who are unfamiliar. It is the uh, full-length film adaptation of a fake trailer for the movie Grindhouse by Tarantino and uh, Robert Rodriguez from years and years and years ago, where basically it's it's a holiday horror slasher movie where somebody's going around killing people for Thanksgiving. Uh, the movie's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very self-aware, but without being, like, obnoxiously self-aware. Mm -hmm. It, like, it it's... It's a dumb movie, but it feels smarter than the last two Scream movies. Yes, yes. It, it's, it's, it's operating within the conventions of a horror movie, and it makes 
not like indirect references to that fact that it's mm-hmm. operating within the convention. Right. Yeah. Like there is, there is literally like a line that a character says where he's trying to get like the main character to come to a house party. And he's like, I've got guns. It's the one place you won't get killed. Yeah. And I just like, I started cracking up. Cause I was just like, okay, we know the place they're going to go in the third act to get away from the killer. You yeah. Know? Um, like, yep. That's it. <laughs> like <laughs> The cast is, mostly unlikable but it feels like they're intentionally unlikable yeah um i thought the 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 revelation of the killer was clever i don't want to spoil who the killer is uh it's it's still dumb but it makes sense and it feels better than how scream six handled it and scream six does the same shit yeah, yes, it does. Um, Like to the point where we were like cracking up and like i think all of us while we were watching it pretty much figured out like close to the beginning who it was going to be yeah. and none of us said anything because yeah. we were just kind of like it was kind of obvious it was, it's kind yeah, of it was obvious. obvious but also but the film doesn't care the experience yeah yeah uh, it, it was it was very clearly a like yeah we're gonna make this this way and you know you're gonna like it or not <laughs> who the, cares the, the kills are brutal but fun yes yes yeah. like the the, fr- the first actual slasher kill is 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 really fun there's some deaths beforehand in a, uh, if you've seen Krampus and you've seen that movie's opening montage where it's Thanksgiving Black Friday, it's that but on crack, um, and it's still fun, but it's also disgustingly on point with how fucked our species is. Uh, I, I, I was not. I, I, I mean, I wanted to see the movie, but I was not expecting to like it nearly as much as I did. I, I thought it was genuinely clever, genuinely funny. It's dumb as fuck. Yes. But it knows that it's dumb as fuck and embraces mm-hmm. that it's dumb as fuck and uses that to its advantage, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not quite as bombastic as the original fake trailer. It it almost feels like Eli Roth was like showing some restraint and um Yeah, which like wild. knowing like knowing that some stuff that that was fine in 2008 would not fly in 2023 mm-hmm. uh but I, I i it didn't feel like he was like self-censoring it just felt like no this is this is a better idea for current fucking year uh, although i still would have liked it if there was a scene where a, a girl was making out with a guy and she pulls away and now she's making out <laughs> with this decapitated head because that was wonderful or or i i still wish the film even though again this was in the fake trailer had the scene where just somebody was dead and uh okay. somebody walks up to the corpse touches the ground and brings up the blood and tastes the blood and is like it's blood <laughs> like son of a yeah. bitch um Patrick Dempsey was was great in it. I I liked him a lot. I haven't seen him in a movie in a while. I think this is his first horror movie since Scream 3. Uh, And he was fun. Uh, Yeah, I I like it. There's not much else I can say. It's it's a dumb, stupid slasher horror movie. Go watch it. Just just know it's dumb. Yes. Fundamentally, I don't like slasher movies. Mm -hmm. This one was fun. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Beautiful. All right. Number nine. Number nine. Oh, boy, do I love a good zombie apocalypse. Oh, But okay. do I really love a zombie apocalypse when it does something different? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. My number nine is called Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. 
Zom okay. 100 is an anime. Uh, it started as a manga in 2018. It just got its adaptation this year. Uh, you can watch the you can watch it on Netflix now. And they also did a live action like movie version. You can skip that. The gimmick of Zom 100 is that it is the early stages of the zombie apocalypse, and your main character is just a dude who's office spacing it. Uh, he was a like young salary man he's 24 he's working a, a number crunching job full of overtime that he fucking hates his job abuses him he's getting jaded he's losing the will to live he works this job for like three years and as the episode the first episode is progressing all the color is draining out of the shots and That's this great. whole sequence the whole pilot episode of the show and they're 30 minute episodes like the first 25 minutes is just him losing the will to live until it's completely black and white. And then the zombie outbreak happens and he just has a light bulb go off and he goes, oh, my God, I don't have to go to work anymore. <laughs> and color bursts back to life and makes it a point throughout the series of everything is done in exaggerated like rainbow color schemes. Blood isn't red. Blood is neon. Awesome. And it's just the adventures of this dude released from his salary life and gets a chance to live again just because it's the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and he makes a bucket list of 100 things that he wants to do with his life before he's inevitably turned into one of the undead. Nice. And it's just him and some buddies that he he gathers up some some other survivors getting into adventures and fucking around and knocking off things on his bucket list that could be like small little things of like, oh, you know, I want to flirt with a, a cute uh, airline attendant. And his buddy's like, well, it's the zombie apocalypse. Planes aren't exactly flying around anymore. And then they run into another survivor who he chats to for five minutes and she's an airline attendant. And he goes, yeah, cool. Checks it off his list. And then she gets murdered. <laughs> oh, geez. beautiful. It's, it was one that I just went into on a whim of just like, what's on Netflix? And I threw it on and I binged the whole fucking thing in one day. It, Damn. It's fantastic. So, Damn. For doing something different in a genre I adore. Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead, number nine. Nice, nice. All right, my number nine is higher on someone else's list. Go, go James. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, I think. Oh, oh silence. Shit. Okay. Silence is the yeah. answer. Yeah. Okay. I think he uh, uh, had to be or be for a second. Yeah, so I think he's um, on dog duty. Da 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, uh, technical difficulties, folks. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm trying to think no, of what. Savage. I know, I know. I'm trying to think of like what I can even say. Uh, uh, yeah, my, I'm, I'm, I'm excited uh, because my number nine and ten are definitely things that we experience together. So I'm glad that mm, like mm -hmm. other people also like them. And I kind of, I kind of did predict. Uh, I predicted, I, I was pretty sure one of them was going to be higher on, I thought, I, I was thinking your list. Uh, hey James. Um, oh good, you're back, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, uh, my oh, number good. nine was higher on someone's list, oh. so, womp. <laughs> I was hoping Lee would take longer. 
I no. needed a cigarette. No, I'm trying to keep this concise so we're not here for six hours. Oh, no, we're yeah. going to... Listen, yes. you, I know you two are going to have a six-hour conversation about Baldur's Gate 3, so Absolutely it's fine. Absolutely, we are. <laughs> so, my number well, I'm nine... trying to save time. Yeah, exactly. My... Save time on everything else. <laughs> I was going to cut if that was the case, but considering the fact that you guys were talking and it's probably funny, I'm, I'm uh, just going to leave it all in. So, fuck you, view... <laughs> fuck you viewers, namely Renzi. Uh, my number nine... Um, it's not super, super great, but I think its strengths outweigh it f its flaws quite a bit. Uh, for me, it's the best in the franchise, even though from what I can tell online, a lot of people kind of consider it to be the black sheep of the franchise. I think mostly because of gameplay perspective stuff. And admittedly, oh. a lot of the gameplay perspective stuff has issues, but my number nine is Fatal Frame 4 Mask of the Lunar Eclipse. Mm -hmm. um, okay. It has its issues, and it introduces a lot of stupid shit that I don't like. Like, uh, picking up items is a giant fucking chore in this yeah. game. Uh, mm -hmm. They introduce this stupid mechanic where uh pick upables in the environment are actually hidden until you shine a flashlight on them which is dumb and then when you go to pick it up you have to hold a button and it does this super slow tense thing of your character slowly reaching for it uh to make it suspenseful because randomly a ghost hand can comically pop up and grab your arm and do some health damage to you and if it, that happens and you don't, like, release the button in time, you lose whatever item it was, which is really fucking dumb. Um, I've heard some people complain about the controls. Personally, I didn't have that big of a problem with the controls itself. Uh, and some elements of it feel cheap and uh, bullshitty, and some elements feel off because it's it's a, uh, a Wii-only, a Wii-exclusive Japanese game that has been remastered for modern hardware for modern mm -hmm. controllers, which is weird. Mm -hmm. But the thing that mostly saves it for me is the writing. Um, Fatal Frame is a franchise that I desperately want to love, and I aesthetically think, like, from an aesthetic perspective, I think is really, really fucking strong. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of stupid shit in this franchise that kind of, like, ruins it for me. Um, mm. and just frustrating game design stuff and occasionally some narrative aspects of it. Um, Fatal Frame 2 is usually cited as like one of the scariest games of all time and it's a really strong game and it has a very strong emotional narrative, sure. But for me, part of it is a little dampered by the fact that the first three Fatal, ga F Fatal Frame games kind of have the exact same uh, inciting incident where... There's some super fucked up ritual that needs to happen in X location and it goes wrong for whatever reason. Um, and now there's spooky ghosts. Fatal Frame 4 is a prequel to F 1 and it avoids that trope. It does involve like a ritual, but it's not like a super fucked up ritual or anything like that. It's just... Um, Two, two versions of the ritual happen to be going on at the same time and it caused some shit fuckery and now there's ghosts. Um, the big strength 
like the, the game is written and directed by Suda51, who is uh, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of. His games are weird and interesting. Um, a lot of people know him as the wacky meme dude because a lot of his more popular works are wacky meme shit like No More Heroes, Lollipop Chainsaw, Shadows of the Damned, like the crazy over-the-top stuff. And he's he he kind of doesn't like that reputation, but that's what usually gets his stuff greenlit. He's much more into like noir and like serious, weird, fucked up cop drama type shit. Uh, and Fatal Frame Four plays into that, where one of the main characters is a detective, uh, like just a dude who's investigating this case, and he's like such a strong well-written fucking character and it's interesting and it's neat and it's unique for the fucking franchise like he's not the first male playable character in the franchise but he's like the best so far uh from a negative standpoint in the st- uh from narrative standpoint uh the game has three playable characters but it easily could have been cut down to two uh, it, it almost feels like it has three playable characters because Fatal Frame 3 had fa- three playable characters, so it's like, we gotta do the same thing. You, but, like, you could have easily cut it down to just one one of the potential victims and the cop. Uh, the basic premise is uh, years and years and years ago on this island, ritual took place, weird shit happened, five young girls were involved... Some 10-odd years later, two of them have died, mysteriously, and the other three have gone back to the island to figure out what's, like, why they're dead. Like, they, they have no memory of what happened. So you're playing as two of those girls, and the, the cop who was investigating this serial killer slash weird occultist motherfucker. Um, you could have cut one of the two girls, and it, it would have been a tighter, much more polished experience but just it's it, it it the writing feels really really strong and it's interesting and it's unique and uh i i kind of like it it's not for everyone it's not perfect but i i, I mostly wanted to shout it out because of how fucking unique this was for fatal frame i still haven't played fatal frame 5 and uh there's elements of that that i know i'm gonna hate which is why i wanted to get this out of the way and praise Fatal Frame 4, since I'm just based on what I know about Fatal Frame 5, whenever I do play it, I am confident that's going to end up on one of my worst lists whenever I do get around to playing. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I I think it's fun. I think it's unique if you can look past some of the the jankier gameplay elements because it was clearly a low-budget rushed game. Um, You'd get a kick out of it. And more importantly, I think the genesis of Suda51's involvement is really fucking cute and adorable and wholesome. Uh, because Grasshopper Manufacturer, the company that Suda's with, and Suda in particular, was approached to be involved with Fate of Flame 4. And um, Suda doesn't like horror. Um, and he is particularly afraid of ghosts like, in real life, afraid of ghosts. But his wife is a huge fan of Fatal Frame. Mm. So he decided to do it. And when he told his wife about this, his wife forced him to play through the first Fatal Frame game, the first three Fatal Frame games, 
<laughs> and then laughed at him and made fun of him every single time he got scared. He literally only did this to make a game for his wife. And that's so fucking wholesome and adorable from arguably the most meme auteur in Japanese game dev. And I love the extra added layer of she's just like trolling him the whole time yeah. he's playing through these. She she's just her. like backseat gaming watching him and laughing at him every single time he gets scared. And it's like that's 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 adorable ten out of ten relationship goals. <laughs> yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Uh, I love it. Uh so yeah, it's it's not perfect. It easily could have been a honorable mention, but I I, I just really wanted to shout it out because I thought it was a uni unique experience. And that's it. That's oh, number nine. It's done. We're done. Get out of here. Lee, it's your turn. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to number eight on the list. Um, it is the first time that I've put a documentary onto my list. Oh, my God. Yeah. Neil Breen's five film documentary? <laughs> This one, this one was an unexpected. I shouldn't say unexpected banger. It was, it was something that I didn't even like know existed until my uh, my mom put it onto my radar, and I went and checked it out. It's called Val. Oh, this and is the Val Kilmer documentary, isn't it? This is the Val Kilmer documentary. Oh, um, it is. Uh, it's told through the perspective of all the video that he's taken throughout the years. So Val Kilmer got. A, a video camera like right as they became readily available for the common consumer and he just took it to every single film shoot period oh. throughout his entire life he recorded absolutely everything about his adult life and uh this documentary is basically just telling the story of his career through huh. all this video that he's taken interesting and it's 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 wonderful to watch and to celebrate his career and then also just has this extra added layer of you know it's it's very bittersweet because val had throat cancer yeah yeah and because of the intense chemo treatments he went through he has a, he has uh his throat is healing right now it's he's only able to speak because of this uh device in his throat i've that, heard about that so, yeah it's tragic. yeah like supposedly it's gonna get better with time and he will be able to gain more of his voice back but um it's just it's it's a really insightful beautiful watch because at the same time that you're getting to celebrate his history and he's he's in my top 10 favorite actors of all time i adore val kilmer yeah um he has a certain level of self-awareness during this documentary of like he can't separate who he is now from the actor that he feels like he used to be. Mm. And it just, it fucking just hurts sometimes to watch. Like there's a sequence where he, he attends uh, a screening at tombstone where they put up a big projector screen and they're going to watch tombstone. And he, he did a meet and greet with the fans and it's a great time. Everybody's hyped to see fucking doc holiday. And he, you know, gets on the microphone and does a speech for them and everyone's hyped. And then he just like separates himself from the viewing and just like starts crying. Cause he's like that guy on the, on the screen isn't me anymore. Like, what am I now? Mm. It's just so fucking painful. 
Um, I can imagine. Yeah. So it was it was a really brilliant documentary to give me a you know a look into one of my favorite actors, um, and just this, you know, it's it's a fucking comeback story. Like you know, sure. I I want this man to to heal up and get back to it, be able to you know come back into some some more roles because the dude's still got the chops, man. Val's a fucking great actor. So yeah. Yeah, if anybody has Amazon Prime, check it out. Val is my number eight. Nice. Very nice. All right. Um, so my number eight should surprise no one because I feel like every time this company releases a game in a year that we do a podcast, I put their game on my best of list without <laughs> without question. Why is it? Um, why, why, why is Nier Automata on your best and disappointing? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, no, but uh, uh, yeah, the, this company just they they continue to make games that um, always hit for me. Um, this one in particular is fairly low, just because uh, it is a remake, and because it is a remake, they were somewhat limited in in scope and in what they could do. Um, but uh, I also think that, you know, I, I not only is the game really good, but also like major kudos to the devs for developing a video game in wartime. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my number eight is Sherlock Holmes The Awakened. Um, nice. I uh, supported their Kickstarter. I, I backed their Kickstarter. Um, I platinumed the game on both Steam and PS5, uh, so I bought the game twice. Yeah, I'm a massive fucking nerd for these games. Um, I I love their franchise. I love the way that Frogwares makes games. Um, I really just enjoy uh, existing in that world. I enjoy going through the writing. I just I fucking I yeah. I just I love I love it. Um, I think by my one criticism for this game, um, which is something that could not be avoided again because of the aforementioned, it is a remake. It has limited scope. Um, they made a lot of improvements to their um, uh, their sort of like mind palace, like 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 deduction mechanics in Sherlock Holmes Chapter One uh, that I really fucking liked. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those couldn't come over to Awakened. They definitely did some improvements um but not uh not to the extent that that chapter one like mm. allowed they had to they had to limit it because like it would have required writing like alternate paths for quests for like for for the mysteries that they just they didn't have because this is an old game um so what they did add was really good um and what they kept uh and what they changed was really cool um yeah, there was just I was like I was just like this is a really solid remake. I, I like it a lot. It's very different from the original, but in all the ways that a remake should be. It improved on like everything. Um So yeah, Sherlock Holmes The Awakened, number eight. Nice. Beautiful. Gotta get that Holmes representation on your list. Absolutely. Not complete Ab without it. Absolutely. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, uh my number eight, I'm gonna keep it brief. I was also genuinely surprised that I liked this this much. Uh, even though I think on our podcast episode I sounded a little more muted on it. 
Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie. Yes. Hey. Uh, this was a lot of fun. This It's got its issues, but it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Matthew Lillard is, is great. The... The animatronics were fantastic. The audio design was fantastic. This felt like a really solid gateway horror movie for kids. Uh, And it was a lot darker and more violent than I expected it to be. Uh, I will shoot you. Yeah, I I, I don't really have much more to say. We did an entire episode on it. Uh, Go listen to it if you want or don't. I don't fucking care. Uh, it was fun. This might be it was surprising. This is easily as, as someone who doesn't really give too much of a shit about the franchise, even though as an outsider, I find it interesting. Um, this might be one of my top three favorite video game adaptations uh, movie wise. Yeah. Like this is really fucking solid. I do, you, do you have a do you have a clear number one? Mortal Kombat. I have a clear number one. It's, Mortal, it's Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat it's, it's Mortal Kombat. Nice. Five. Yeah, it's it's my, it's it. my clear number one is the Ace Attorney movie. I, I still haven't seen that yet. My my number. Oh, we gotta. My it's been on our list. I wanted to pair that with the the live action Yakuza movie because it's both both yes, of them are the same director. Yeah, Takashi Miike. Yeah. yeah. Yes, uh yes. My other my to round out the top three, the other one would be the first Silent Hill movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, solid. Uh, four yeah. would probably be the first Resident Evil movie. Um, yeah. It's yeah. dumb and shit and a bad adaptation of Resident Evil, but it's mm-hmm. fun. It and fun. Um, number five would be um, Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> I was gonna say, gotta yes. be in there somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I mean, four it's or five nice. kind of fluctuate, <laughs> uh, but still, you know, it's wonderful. Anyways, that's all I want to say about uh, nice. Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't really have much else. Oh yeah. yeah. We have a whole podcast. Lee, number number seven. seven. All right. So this one is a little lower on the list than I think I might have put it if I actually sat down and played it more. Mm. Um, Although I I have just come to realize that as I get older, as my temperament changes, (laughs) as I just kind of like relax and chill the fuck out, um, I just genuinely don't enjoy games anymore that are competitive. Mm. I okay. I I don't fucking want to PvP anybody. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't I don't I, I don't like doing I that. Would, I'll co-op with some people and like, you yeah. know, fight against the AI. Yeah. Um I'll get into an immersive single player campaign, but when it just comes to like one-on-one me versus another human being, doesn't I don't care what kind of game it is. I just I'm not that down with it anymore. Yeah. Um that being said, man, Street Fighter 6 slaps. Hey. Hell yeah. This was uh this was actually on my honorable mentions for a while until um the costume three controversy or costume two controversy oh, or whatever. Sure, sure. Uh, mechanically speaking, I absolutely adore what they've done with the franchise. Um, they made it more accessible to a wider variety of players with the modern control scheme, um, which like the the hardcore fan base I'm sure has their opinions about. But frankly, if you're making the game more accessible to a wider fan base, fantastic. Bring them on in. Um, Street Fighter has one of the most like enduring fucking cool casts of characters and they all got visual updates because there's a bit of a time skip in this one so they look fucking cool it handles great the net code out the gate was pretty damn good like usually if you get a fighting game week one and jump into some ranked matches that connection's usually pretty dicey and Street Fighter 6 was able to have a solid 
solid connection. Um, so the games I, I did play against uh, against other players were were really smooth. Um, just all, all around, what what a powerful addition to an already great franchise. Um, shout out to my my number one top tier draft pick waifu Cami. This podcast is being recorded on January seventh, which is the day after her birthday. I love nice. you. Um, Cammy's best girl. And, yeah. Uh, there's and there's a whole like a uh, like a uh, mentor student system in the game mode where you partner up with the actual world warriors and they teach you their fighting styles and you gotta give some of them certain items and and I just. I just kept having to give Cammy jellied eel. Yeah, you love giving know, her your eel. And I don't know why. I just had to keep keep shoving all this jellied eel into into her mouth until she took me on as her disciple. Ten out of ten would jellied eel again. Yeah. So yeah, it's um it's an interesting time for these major fighting game franchises. Like MK1 just came out and did its thing. We've got mm-hmm. Tekken 8 in this coming year, but Street Fighter 6 uh, absolutely killed it. So now I have to ask, because I know you... All right, well, I don't know. I'm very... Uh, uh, I, I don't know much about much. Uh, have you actually played, like, people in this game? Because I know you can yeah. play through the story that you have. Yeah, you know, I, 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 did, okay. I did quite a few ranked matches. I, oh, shit. I, all right. Damn. I just I just burn out on the on the competitive aspect of it. Like I, I can dig that for sure. I don't get tilted. I just yeah. get kind of like emotionally exhausted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I've, my... I I've never been great at fighting games, and I don't like doing competitive fighting games unless it's like one v one with friends. That's fine because it's like it's not sweaty. Sure. Yeah. But online, half the time you got to deal with. Weird netcode stuff, or weird internet oh, yeah. stuff, or a bunch of sweaty assholes, and same yes. thing with like just anything PvP. Like, there's very few games that I like enough to play people online in, and those if, like I can count those on like maybe one or two fingers. If yep. you watched our stream yesterday of Bloodborne, you might have noticed um, me getting invaded while James was dead, and simply. Sprinting away from the invader until he disconnected in frustration. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so that's my time. feelings on PvP. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I just so, ran around. I was like, I won't fight you. Leave me alone. So yeah, it's got it's got a really good single player mode, um, nice. which is great for me who doesn't want to do the PvP. Just keep buying all the jellied eel and shoving it into Cammy's mouth. Get that affection rating up. Yeah. Is that the sex eels you were talking about? Yes. Yes, yes indeed. God damn it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Street Fighter 6, number 7. Yeah, that, uh, as someone who is not super big into fighting games and super not big into Street Fighter outside of casually thinking that Street Fighter 3 is the best Street Fighter, um, yeah, 6 was solid. I got it for free, full disclosure, from Capcom, but I was having fun with it. I still want to go finish the story mode. Um, and in honor of you and also because Cammy is best girl, the first classic costume I unlocked was was Cammy's. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, is she, the correct she, move. Yeah. The objectively correct answer. Yeah, yeah. it's like correct. all these other people, I don't give a shit about Chun-Li. Yeah, you got fucking amazing thighs, but you're not Cammy. Go away. Get out of my sight. <laughs> 
Although new new strong competitors in that field with Manon and Maritza. I mean, sure. Manon is cool, and then gigantic gladiator muscle mommy. Come on. I'm mm. I'm more okay. into like the uh, the like Karen, and okay, uh, fair, yeah, fair. she she's solid. I got my type. I stick with my type. <laughs> but you know, Cammy's strong because she got that beret going on. Damn right. Nice. Yeah, Jill, right. Jill Valentine's beret and and shoulder pads was my sexual awakening. Beret is my thing. Oh, nope. all right, fair enough. <laughs> all right, number seven for me. Get in there. Um, it's from a franchise that I've. I won't say I've never played, um, because I bought the first game. I played like two hours, and this was. Years and years ago, so it was before I had the compulsion to finish games, and I just went, you know what? I don't like this. And I turned it off, and I never played it again. Um, but, uh... I didn't then... expect Baldur's Gate to be so low. <laughs> shut, shut, shut up, James. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, the thing that, that got me to play was, one, I played a previous game they made, and I didn't hate it, and I, I platinumed it, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, in certain regards. In other regards, fuck that game. <laughs> um, and then, two, uh, someone, and I believe it was James, told me, hey, Kat, there's a Mind Palace mechanic. Oh, and I, I went, yeah, sold. I know what it is. <laughs> I went, hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, my number seven is Alan Wake 2. Yay. Um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, I, I definitely, I definitely have some complaints. Sure. Um, but I, did, I, I bet you didn't expect booting it up to see a fucking musical, and then when you knew about the musical, you didn't expect it to be so fucking infectious. It's it, yeah, the song is the song is insane. I will say I'm really bad about um, uh, the the song was so good it was distracting, and therefore it was really hard to actually play. Yes. So the second time I went through it, I actually muted it for part of it. Oh my god! Because I was just like I, I I literally can't play the game with like that way it's just it's it's something's wrong with my brain i understand fully that like it's blasphemy but i'm just i'm just gonna say i'm just like i can't do it I, it'll really break me um the uh uh i am begging game developers to stop putting run on the sticks like please i don't want to press l3 to run just don't do it please um so mercifully for me they had a very robust uh controller remap setup and I was able to remap it to something that I liked and then I started enjoying the game way fucking more. Um I I will also say that like I loved Alan's like writers room mechanic. I loved the way that came into play in the like affecting the world and stuff like that. And I actually thought that Saga's Mind Palace mechanic was kind of weak um mostly because from a mind palace mechanic i expect a lot more deduction and sure. it wasn't it wasn't deduction it was just it was it, uh, it was a match game basically and i was like uh, okay all right that's fine but i i wanted more a match game I, without I, nudity get out of here you're not hooey pop <laughs> um i i loved the story i loved the art direction um and initially this game was below Sherlock Holmes on my list because Sherlock Holmes has a better has a better mind palace mechanic even if it's not as good as their other one. Um however, 
I so I beat I beat the game. I got the platinum, and then I started Final Cut, and I I beat Final Cut within this year. Um, and <laughs> specifically the Doctor Darling tapes that you find in Final Cut in the like New Game Plus mode were what edged it out over Sherlock Holmes. Ten out of ten. Because I'm sorry, but if you stick a confused science man in front of a camera and he's talking to me and the tape is glitching, I immediately am transported back. My brain is transported back in time to the missed linking books. And I go, 10 out of 10. <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever seen. Dr. Darling <laughs> is wonderful. I love him. I, I was just like, I was like, uh, I will bring you more red pages, sir. <laughs> so uh, And it's more, it's more I, Matthew Peretta. I love him. Yeah, he's a great yeah. voice actor. He's, He's he's fantastic, and I I was literally I was literally just like Atreus or uh, sorry Atris. <laughs> and uh, just as a quick aside, uh, you, you know, again, Alan Wake Two was on my uh, honorable mentions, but R.I.P. James McCaffrey. Uh, yeah, you were one of my favorite voice actors. I'm glad that you got to get one last thing out, and it's a Max Payne reference. But God, goddamn, dude, your death hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That's my number seven. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. My number seven is a bit of a cheat, and it's also tied into Alan Wake 2. It's uh, Poets of the Fall slash Old Gods of Asgard's new album, Rebirth. You son of a bitch. It's it's mostly a compilation album of all of their previous Old Gods of Asgard stuff, and it also includes their new material for Alan Wake 2, and it also includes two tracks especially recorded, or specifically recorded for this album. But um, despite the fact that I did not finish Alan Wake 2, I could not in good conscience not yeah. include Herald of Darkness in some capacity. Yeah. Because Absolutely. God fucking damn it, dude. <laughs> it's, it's, it's stupid how good that song is. It's I'm, so good. I'm I'm mad. I'm mad at how good it is because I'm just like and oh and also I will say that like there's a there's a later section of the game that you haven't gotten to yet that also incorporates a song and I've fighting. He- I've heard about that and it's similar to Alan Wake One and I'm like I don't yes. I'm 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 game. I'm game. It, here's the thing. Here's the thing. For me, that that part was not as bad as uh the the musical version in terms of like concentration. Sure. So I was like, I was a little bit less because it it feels more like backing stuff yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. the main event. And when it's the main event, I'm like, huh, I can't focus on anything. Yeah, it's 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 um, remedy. Remedy has had a long history of working with Poets of the Fall and also with Old Gods of Asgard. Uh, they they since Max Payne two, and they did it with Alan Wake one, Alan Wake's American Nightmare, Control, which was their previous best remedy collaboration for me with Take Control and the Ashtray Maze. But as much as I like that song, it was also like the way it blended with the in the the game itself because the the, yes. the environment warping around you was really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And yes. this is kind of both, but also because the song is such a catchy fucking banger. And it's this delightfully stupid tribute to everything Remedy has ever done. And while I'm normally against, like, self-insert character type stuff, Sam Lake being Alex (laughs) Casey is so fucking charming knowing Remedy's 
history. Yeah. And also the fact that he's it's not fun. he he it's fun and he's not egotist like he he he's oh. he, he 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 will fucking dance a stupid fucking yeah dance. at the game awards well, yeah also in game two like it's yeah, it's it's game, it's, yeah. it's th- to see this creative director do this stupid goofy dance is just yes. so charming Step it up, Kojima <laughs> yeah. get in there Kojima yeah. like you, every single time I, I see, see Kojima minutes of your fucking favorite actors fucking gawping at the camera yeah every every single Start time dancing, every single time I see Kojima in a game especially one he directs I kind of eye roll and I'm like this is dumb like he, he inserts himself a lot into his work yeah and it's oh. eye rolling but I will say also because I've mentioned before how much I hate like on the nose lyrics where people are literally singing about like what's happening on screen or like yeah. what's in the in the media, that that criticism does not apply to this soundtrack. No, it's it's it is it like it's the very way that creative. they do it is so fucking good that I'm just like fucking take notes, imagine dragons. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so creative and Marco's vocals are 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 wonderful. Uh, yeah. uh, I love the album. I love Poets of the Fall. It's my favorite band. Lee and I have had many conversations about it. And Cat uh, is a recent inductee, even though we've been bitching about Poets of the Fall for years. Uh, sure. the, the last thing I'll say, uh, which kind of also ties into the, the, the whole reason why I kind of like the whole Sam Lake legacy thing of including himself in the game, too, uh, is it, it also it. it Somewhat ties in recently because they recently took a uh, like a, a anniversary photo of the cast of Max Payne One because every single member of the cast like whose likeness is used in the game was like a developer or a friend of the developer, and I I completely forgot until I saw this photo. The main antagonist of Max Payne One is modeled after Sam Lake's mom. <laughs> Oh my god! It's yes. so charming and wonderful, <laughs> and like another character, and I I didn't actually know this until this morning. Another character in Max Payne One, who's like the secret Illuminati dude, who's like really shady and probably evil, uh, is modeled after Sam Lake's dad. Beautiful. <laughs> and it's like beautiful. ten out of ten. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, I'm done. Post the fall, rebirth, old nice. god of Asgard. Listen to it, or just watch Herald of Darkness. Watch the Game Awards thing. I've seen some people call it cringe, but whatever. Oh, no, fuck off. Be, be, before, before we move on, I forgot <laughs> one, somebody else's one. I forgot one honorable mention that I want to just quickly sneak in, and that's uh, Ghost Files, which is uh, a YouTube series oh. from Watcher, uh, from the two former BuzzFeed people. It's basically ghost adventures, but actually charming and funny by two very funny, very charismatic people. One of whom is a skeptic one of whom uh, is a believer in ghost stuff. And it's really funny as they both make fun of each other. And one of them more so is making fun of the fact that all this ghost hunting shit is bullshit and stupid. Yeah, that's Hell it. Yeah, brother. Number six. Hell yeah. Hit me higher on somebody else's list. Fuck you. Boom. All right. All right. My number six. I got a bit of an interesting experience with this one Mm. because um a lot of people that watched the live action adaptation um have already seen it but i watched the live action adaptation first oh and i know what it is i said hey this sucked so fucking much i'm gonna watch the original to 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 basically like 
make myself even more mad at the live action remake. Correct. And yeah, so um, I, I just, I feel like I had a very wild experience with this because most people have already seen it by now. And it just, I, I completely missed the boat on it for years. And finally, I just decided, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, let's watch it. So the Cowboy Bebop anime. Hey. Yeah, my number six. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so fucking good, it's, isn't it? It's so good. The... The, the backgrounds alone, I can fucking write, like, <laughs> so mm -hmm. many love letters to. Um, the, it's just, it's got such an interesting atmosphere. Um, the, the characters are really fun. It's it's definitely very, like, of its time. There's did, certain did things that haven't aged. Did you watch it subbed aged. or dubbed? Uh, I watched it subbed. Oh, interesting. Um, no, wait. I think I started it subbed. I, I think I switched on and off. Okay. I did both. Um... Because uh, fun fact, which I might have no. mentioned to you, the uh -huh. creator yeah, the, 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 the insists says, to watch it dubbed because yes. he prefers Actually, no, yeah. No, I did watch it dubbed. I remember Will Will and I, Will owns the series, and he was like, oh, let's just watch it on my thing. And so we watched one episode. We watched one episode subbed, and I said, can we switch it back? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I mean, the voice acting is really, really good. Yeah. Um, again, I think there are things that have... Um, like not aged super well, but also like it, it's not really a like oh th like this is super racist now or like this is super. It's just kind of like a this is how things were at the time and this was really progressive the way it was done here. Yeah, it's just maybe not the way that like most people would like to see it now. But like it's still like it, it again. It's not like it's like oh this is this is awful. This should be like you know like we need a warning on this shit it's like no it's just yeah this is how things were back in the 90s or whatever um and this is this is really progressive here so it was acceptable in the 90s <laughs> and that ost dude <laughs> exactly that fucking ost yeah uh ed actually being not cringe yes i was i was shocked because the the tiny fucking little teaser that we get of ed in the live action i was like oh my god this is the kind of anime character i fucking can't stand yeah and, and then like, she's bet, she's like, wonderful bet, in the show yeah i know i was genuinely like i bet she's gonna be awful i bet it's going to be one of those things where like oh this is this plays because it's anime but it sucks like actually seeing it and then it's like no they just got her character completely fucking yeah. wrong her, just, her exit episode crushes me every time yeah yeah, it's, especially yeah, with no. Call Me playing and just her and Ayn leaving and just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so I, I, so while I didn't get the experience of um, of James where, like, I could see the kind of, like, little um, hidden Easter eggs and stuff like that, because I had no fucking point of reference, um, I did get this great kind of, like, I could watch Bebop and be like, oh, so this is what it should have looked like if it was done well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know now what the, you know, how they adapted this and why they chose to adapt it this way, but fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Phase Bay, Jet's great. Spike's yeah. great. The entire yeah. fucking cast is great. Yeah, uh, they're all they're all very very fun I, the world the world is so cool i love all of the like all of the space travel stuff is so neat and how it's like it kind of reminded me a little bit of like japanese like train systems and yeah. stuff where like things are in different languages and but like to see that actually like incorporated into space travel 
is not a thing I see like ever. No. I, think, I think Blade Run did it. Blade Runner did it, but also that you know. And on, on it, it's one of those shows that I, right? <laughs> it's one of those series that I think is regarded perfectly accurate. It's like everyone yeah. makes yeah. a big deal out of Bebop, like oh, it's like one of the best of. You know what? It's rated perfectly. Yes, yeah. it is. It's yeah. that yeah. fucking good. It was it, yeah. It's one of those things where like you know like we talked about in the era, and I'm like I don't want to like I feel like it was overhyped and I hated it, but it's like. I don't think you can overhype Bebop. Like no. I don't think it's possible. It's just that good. <laughs> and and on that note, we I still want us to sit down and watch it's the movie. No, I mean there's the movie as well that I want you to see as well. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, Shinichiro Watanabe uh, did a, another anime which is set in the same universe as Bebop. It's not strictly a oh! follow up. Yeah, yes. Carol and Tuesday, which is a yes. radically different series mm-hmm. of uh, just two girls on mars starting a band and i have seen one clip of it which is what i've sent to a lot of people and it's just of them jamming for the first time and it is so wonderfully directed that i'm like i need to see this series but i want to watch it with people Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. i'm down i'm game that sounds great yeah and all right so yeah my number six is cowboy bebop the anime beautiful uh my number six i am going to keep brief because i don't want to spoil it Mm. it's armored core six fires of rubicon copy holy shit okay i don't want to say a lot of it because i know lee Uh has wants to play it and he's been saving it for 2024 i know you don't give a shit about armored core cats no Um, no i do not uh Sorry, I really... again, again, I no no shade to those you do. Yeah, I've I'm just not into mechs. <laughs> I have only completed one playthrough uh and gotten one ending. That's all I'll say. I'm not gonna elaborate any further. But of all the main missions that I have done in Armored Core, there was only one that fell flat for me. The entire game itself is just really fucking solid. Oh yeah. Um, I like the fact that not, I I I because I I do remember I I played this late and I do remember that uh, there was a lot of discussion about the game's difficulty, and I think that was overblown by a lot of people who don't get Armored Core, because the 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 like the key difference between like Armored Core and other FromSoft games is that. Armored Core really embraces respecking and like rebuilding your mech to see what works and what benefits you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Armored Core 6 makes this more accessible and easier than ever because like you could buy a part and unlike other games where like let's say you want to sell something that sell something back to the shop where it's like you have to sell it at a discounted price no you sell it back for exactly what you bought it for Damn so right. you're you're not losing any money this Has this game be. is exper- like embracing experiment with your build see what works with for you see what gets you through this shit so like you could run into a mission or a boss that pushes your shit in and is frustrating and fucking tilting and just makes you mad but then you go back to the workshop you rebuild your mech and you roll in and you stomp that fucker into the dirt 
<laughs> the one exception for me was the final boss that was a little bit of a difficulty wall for me uh, that I thought was a little cheap and steep, but mm. I don't want to get too much into it because there's a lot of variables in Armored Core and I don't want to spoil it, but just overall, gotcha. I think Armored Core 6 was fan fucking tastic. Hell and yeah. I'm so happy that From Software has opened themselves back up to doing stuff other than Souls likes. I love Soulsborne and I love Souls like, but From Software mm-hmm. has a rich history of doing other shit. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some people try to claim that Armored Core 6 is a Soulsborne game or a Souls like. And they're he- fucking wrong. Yeah, that's so yeah, Will Will actually mentioned that he heard a lot of people saying how hard Armored Core 6 was and how souls like it was. It's not. And yeah, and he's he he played a little bit. He's been super busy this year, but he has played a tiny bit and he was like, This is no. No, this it's, is nowhere not, near as difficult it's, as Elden Ring or it's, any of it's, the Souls it's games. Hard if you like yeah. go in and you happen to go into a mission with the wrong build. If you if you take the time and experiment, yeah, or play or around with your build, play around with your build, your or parts. that's always been a thing with the with the series. If you stick to the same build and just try to brute force it, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it, it's or, or alternatively, you can like if if you just want to breeze through it, you just look up online which build works best for what mission at what point in the game. You know, if, yep. if you're oh, cool with that, yeah. that works. And yep. again, like this game. It, encourages and embraces experimentation and it's a lot of fucking fun uh i was initially worried because i think in it's in arena mode because there's like arena where it's like 1v1 mech fights where um i got ptsd for a potential worst of in the future it's not mentioned uh anybody who's played it will be familiar with it uh, where when you start it, it says activating combat mode, and that brought back this awful fucking PTSD trigger for me with this terrible fucking video game. But it doesn't do it nearly as often, and it's not nearly as fucking annoying. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Armored Core 6. I'm done. Fuck it. We're done. Lee. Oh, yeah. Five. Good shit. <laughs> All right. Let's get spooky. Ooh. Let's talk about Evil Dead Rise. Oh, I thought you were going to yeah! say the maze. That's my number nine. Hey. Yes. Yeah. This this movie was so much fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It it's it's the one exception I've had recently to the whole thing I've been going on about about like oh let these franchises die like let's do some new shit. This this was just such a ride. Yeah. I I love that it's <sighs> the last time they did the Evil Dead reboot. Um, I think it tried to take itself too seriously. Agreed. And yeah. that's why it didn't really vibe with me. Evil Dead Rise was letting it start to have some fun again. It didn't mm-hmm. go back into full campy schlock like Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness, mm-hmm. but it was allowing itself to just be tongue-in-cheek a little more often. Mm-hmm. And it struck a perfect balance for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have mentioned on the podcast before, I don't like horror comedies. Yeah. Um, but I like a horror movie that has a little bit of self-awareness and plays, you know, a little bit into that vibe. I think the only straight up horror comedy I like is Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's a lot of other fine movies that people talk about that are horror comedies you know oh, tucker and Good. dale versus evil <laughs> i've got a lot of respect for reanimator reanimator's yeah, yeah. a fun movie i love um, reanimator <laughs> but this uh, this this was just you know it was the horror movie i needed this year something that yeah. was just messy and ugly but still like willing to have a laugh and talk some shit um Alyssa Sutherland as Ellie, who's the first like real yeah. deadite in the movie, mm-hmm. is it's such oh a killer performance. God, she's so good. Yeah, she was so fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 had these just delightful beats of just here's a scene of just horrible evil dead brutality and you go that was really uncomfortable and then it'll do something that just makes you do like a guilty chuckle to yourself like oh i shouldn't laugh at that but (laughs) here we are this was you know uh, this this is the kind of horror movie i need i need more of Mm -hmm. you know like I I agreed. I'm I'm not a slasher guy. I'm not I'm not somebody who wants to watch a movie just to watch kill after kill after kill. Yeah. Um this I need was some something substance. That, Yeah, this had this had some more meat mm-hmm. that I could really chew into. Yeah. Yeah. Um hoping they do another one. Uh keep the keep the same fucking team. Lee Cronin was great as the writer director. He knew exactly what what to go for so yeah I'd, I'd hope to see more of this what did you think um yeah i mean same basically like i um i think the only thing you haven't touched on that i want to bring up again and again we did a whole podcast on this so yeah um but i always really appreciate when horror movies do not pull punches especially yes. when it comes to like child characters yes um you know like I, I don't i don't like it when they they do like oh there's a cat we're gonna kill the cat off in the beginning or we're gonna kill the dog off it's like that's just that's just kind of a cheap easy kill to like not raise the stakes too much but i like i like when they don't do the like oh the kids are untouchable they're gonna have a bunch of near misses but like ultimately they'll be fine oh no these the, kids get the, fucked the up the kids get fucked up in this one and it's 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 dark and twisted and i appreciate that i i yeah. i like it when I like it when they get dark and twisted without going for the super low hanging fruit. So yeah, yeah, where where they where they go for the, they go for the stuff that's like really fucking traumatically damaging. <laughs> yeah, this so, yeah. was this was this was a taste that I need a full course of in twenty twenty four. Bring on Hell more yeah. of this. Oh yeah. So yeah, Hell Evil yeah. Dead Rise. And five. and re- and remember, they also uh, what was it, Emily Bronte? Yeah, was in the. Oh, sh- yeah. Oh, yeah, you so. know what? That reminds me. Oh, yeah, we need more of that, hey, too. Hey, Kat, oh. thanks for reminding me that there's that Emily oh. Bronte movie that we need to watch as oh. a meme. Because oh. I have that entire Uh-oh. list of bullshit from when I was Uh-oh. in the hotel. Uh-oh. None of it oh, made yeah. my list. But oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. None of okay. it made the list, but yeah, I, I, I didn't watch the Emily Bronte movie because I was like, no, this is, this is already funny based on the trailer because of our Emily Bronte jokes in Evil Dead Rise, <laughs> and we need to watch yeah. it just because... Go. Because... of you lee yeah oh, thanks yeah you're welcome all right that's a good that's a good number five i dig it uh actually not the one that i thought would be higher on the list for from me to you but uh i'm, uh-huh. I'm i guess the other one is coming up also mm-hmm. uh okay so my number five um is one that i've mentioned before a couple of times um on you know saber's channel or in the discord a couple of different um spots where um it's super unfair that they released in January of last year 
and therefore like weren't eligible for any game awards. Fuck you, it's, it's January. Really, it's a really good game, but like, yeah, the game awards were just like, no, you you released in the next year, so it doesn't it doesn't count. And also this year, no, it doesn't count. You released too early, so it's really stupid. My number five is Pentiment. Um, so it's a okay. it's an Obsidian game, I believe, um, from uh, the guy who uh, uh, did like New Vegas, and um, yeah, the the director is like a pretty storied like branching narrative uh, writer. Um, and it shows it's a really fucking solid little medieval murder mystery um, that spans uh, it's like three acts that are split between like decades. Um, and it's <laughs> it's really cool. It's a very cool. Yeah, this game looked dope. Yeah, it's a very cool vibe. It's very interesting. There's a lot of like player choice involved. You like you build your character. Um, you have like different stats that like give you different options. It's very, you know, like RPG light. Um, and then there's a lot of things where, like, you are solving this mystery and kind of, like, who you pin the blame on has, like, repercussions for, you know, decades. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I think um, my only criticism for it is that um, I played it twice because I wanted to see uh, how things changed based on, like, different aspects. Um, and for me, the only the only choice that I felt deserved more... Uh, repercussions for uh, was the one that happens at the end of Act 2 which I won't spoil but mm -hmm. I just thought I thought the way that they implemented it, implemented it was weak when compared to the same the, a similar decision that happens in Act 1 that has a ton of effects down the road um, so I, I, I understand that it was probably a um, uh, what's it called um, a scope issue right where it's like oh we don't want to have three different act threes you can hop into based on your oh, decision right. um sure. but it was still like I, I felt like i felt there were things that could have been changed to make it even just like simple like one line of dialogue or a reference to the character name or something like that 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 didn't really happen that i thought were going to happen um that's my only criticism though uh it was it's it's an absolutely like astounding little title uh the art direction is amazing i cried i laughed 10 out of 10. Hell yeah. <laughs> De deserved more awards. Definitely deserved actually actual like award recognition. So. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Pentiment, number five. Well, speaking of something that deserves more award recognition, uh, this is a bit late. Neil Breen. <laughs> this is a bit of a... No, I already, w I already went through Neil Breen. <laughs> okay. I already... Uh, uh, this is a bit of a late addition to the list. Uh, but I really, really liked it, and it's higher on somebody else's list. Gasp. Well, oh my god. Wow. All right. I want to throw the dice and say this is the one Kat's been waiting for. Yeah. Let's talk Final Fantasy. Yeah! Hey, that that's, was, it, that's number that was, five. Oh, damn. That was my number ten. So hey, let's go. Shit, let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk about Final finally, Fantasy we, we Finally, we get to talk about Final Fantasy sixteen. We yeah. were planning on doing a podcast about this when I beat the game, and then my house yep. got fire, and then Back to Ghoul yep. started, and then yep. other stuff happened. Uh, yeah, yep. I really yep. fucking love this game. Mm -hmm. This yep. is uh, my favorite Final <laughs> Fantasy since 12. Uh, the franchise has been very rough, mid at best, terrible at worst. 
for me for the better part of the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fucking love the characters. I got qualms with it, sure. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I wish the combat was deeper, but mm-hmm. uh, like the, the physical melee combat. But yeah. this game was, for me, really, really well written, and it earned its bombastic moments. Uh, and it... it it goes to some insane fucking places, uh-huh. both okay. narratively and we'll gameplay wise. Okay. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna. Oh no, we're gonna get about out about this right fucking now. You do not understand, ladies and gentlemen out there, how fucking long Lee's been waiting to talk about some things Ooh. in Final Fantasy 16 on this goddamn Ooh. podcast. Ooh. <laughs> okay, all right. You want to play a fucking video game? <laughs> all right, we've we've got butt rock parkour <laughs> tentacle monster battles uh-huh, uh-huh. okay we've uh-huh. got fighting the king of dragons in outer space uh-huh, uh-huh. and that's not even the most wild <laughs> shit <laughs> okay we need context we need context um so of the three of us uh cat and i were playing it kind of simultaneously i had a bit of a head mm-hmm. start cat caught up and then we were kind of neck and neck yeah and we were ha- we were in this great rhythm of just shit post texting each other ad nauseum with every little reaction to everything <laughs> happening in this game, and yep. it starts super Game of Thrones. It's very just political intrigue and mm-hmm. like oh this royal house is doing this, and it's like mm-hmm. oh well I'm the lord of this one, and I have this you know god creature, and it's like okay this is dope. This uh, game dope. starts with dry humping. Yeah, I would, okay, I would sure, yes. I would almost rather this just be like an animated series. Uh-huh. Um, just let me watch this thing. Okay, and then the Cenobite pain god angel shows up, right? And he and, sure and, does. And and oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thus uh-huh. begins the greatest cutscene of <laughs> of this era of gaming. <laughs> You've got our boy, the one true king. <laughs> Big Barn Barn. <laughs> Barnabas, first of his name. Uh-huh. Uh, chilling with his literal god, Ultima. Yep. And uh, Ultima has this tendency to shapeshift. Yep. And uh, turns into some chick that he was hooking up with. And it's like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then Ultima turns into this dude. <laughs> who he was feuding with. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, now this is really awkward. Mm-hmm. And then turns into Barnabas's mom. His dead mom. His <laughs> dead nude mother. They're both <laughs> naked. It's implied they fucked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, They're yeah. in bed together. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then it's heavily implied they fuck. Yep. <laughs> So, so Lee, Lee and I, Lee and I have had this discussion multiple times because on pa- on, on paper, like, like per, per minute, Baldur's Gate 3 is the hornier game because yeah, yes. there's, there's, yes. there's a lot more sex scenes. There's a lot more nudity and like actual like sex acts that happen on screen. But I think Final Fantasy might take the cake for the weirdest level of horny <laughs> this because nothing in Baldur's Gate comes close to a a, a god shapeshift into your dead mom to get some pipe <laughs> i 
I I couldn't fucking the only thing I could say through the text was this game was not written by cowards. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They did not pull the punches. They're like, oh no no, no. Uh -huh. we want you to know that mm -hmm. this dude is laying pipe on this <laughs> Cenobite angel. Yep. 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 But yeah, fucking I it, wild. I agree. It was insane. I agree with the comments about the battle system. I, I yeah. think that it went in a great direction with the style switching. It was very mm -hmm. like yes. Devil May Cry light. Yes. Um, yeah. I would uh, have is, liked it to go deeper. The 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 way they handled combat here is what made me put Forspoken on the list because I think Forspoken has a very similar combat system. It's just not as good as 16s. Mm -hmm. um, but I agree with you that like as somebody who hasn't so Final Fantasy 16 is my first and only Final Fantasy um, so I haven't played any of the other ones I know blasphemy um, but I also haven't played a whole lot of um, things with this kind of battle system uh, so therefore my frame of reference is two and Final Fantasy is better <laughs> of the two yeah um, but yeah but just stellar writing stellar voice cast yeah oh yes this is this shit. is this is the Great. best dub in years uh i mm -hmm. i love 12's dub there's a couple weak moments in it uh i love the dub for tactics war of the lines the psp remake or remaster of tactics but a lot of final fantasy dubs are really weak mm -hmm. um i i know a lot of people love the final fantasy 7 remake dub but it's it's a little too anime grunty for me. Gotcha. Uh, and it's it's just distracting. And for me, a lot of the actors, no disrespect to the actors in question, just fall flat. Like they sound like they're not really emoting all that much. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Ben Starr as Clive is yeah. fucking killing it. Yeah. Um yeah. Ralph Ennison as Sid is fucking killing it. His voice is so fucking smooth. Uh yeah. Jill's voice actress killing it. Yeah. Josh's voice actor killing it. Every fucking voice actor is fucking killing it. It's so goddamn good. My, my boy Dion uh-huh Clark doing hell, voice fucking Hell yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. God, the the you know, I mean, spoilers, I guess, but the the moment where he like accidentally kills his dad, oh, the acting, mm. so fucking good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's shit. so crushing. I was just like, yeah, I I think um, no. So the one of the reasons why this was uh, much lower on my list was um, for me, uh, my biggest criticism of the game is that I thought that the like moment to moment gameplay was pretty lacking um yeah, so the sort like of the side quests the are like, really boring um, yeah exactly like moving between side quests moving between combat could, encounters you could tell it was a campaign written by somebody who does mmos yes, yes. exactly exactly and like like the the thing that kept me going really 100 percent was getting to the narrative bits yeah yeah every every narrative bit fucking slapped and that's why it made the list even though i thought like as i'm playing the game Eh, you know, other than the like, I'm I really enjoyed the combat system. Um, so that definitely saw me through a lot of stuff too. Um, but yeah, like running around and like talking to NPCs was just kind of not yeah. there for me. And the, I will say the final crop of side quests that you go on, sort of the the like 
the last hurrah of like the the final yeah. the finality of like people's arcs and like saying goodbye to people those should have been main campaign material yeah. yes yeah they were really really good um but everything else was kind of like mm, go collect three of these things i'm like all right fine, and if, if if i had one other complaint about the combat system i think i mentioned this to you guys when i beat the game was mm-hmm. I, I i felt that uh a lot of a lot of battles enemies felt too spongy and oh, certain agreed. encounters ran on a little too long yeah. for my liking. It it wasn't like game breakingly spongy, mm-hmm. but like certain combat encounters, it's like this is getting to be a little exhausting. There, and there this is coming mini- from this is coming from the Double Night Cry guy, where where yeah. shit is like really gets intense. Yeah. There were some mini bosses that I I think I know what you're saying. With, yeah, like where I was just I was just kind of like. I didn't need to fight this guy for 10 minutes. It could have been half that and it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I, I, I do, I don't want to get into it uh, too much because I'm sure I'll get into it eventually later on in the year. But uh, there's certain elements that were borrowed from Final Fantasy VII Remake that I think were done a lot better here. Like the stagger system is is pretty good uh i i also will say at least a bit of another criticism and this is just a running game criticism i hate mid boss fight cinematics they interrupt the flow of the fight and stop it mid. stop it game well i mean, and you, you hate, know, mid. I hate mid as well. everyone hates mid <laughs> yeah uh just 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 stop interrupting my fight please i just want to beat the dude up i don't i don't mm. need a cinematic in the middle of the fight it just kills the flow mm. uh i mean it, these are cool scenes sure but maybe play them before the fight or after the fight, mm-hmm. not in the middle of the fight. I don't yep. like mid-boss fight cinematics. They're just... I, I just I just I... want the gameplay in a boss fight. Personally, I would I prefer mid-fight cinematics to uh, games where they try to have like dialogue play oh, during I, the fight. I mean, I also dislike I find, that too, yes. Yeah, I find that really annoying. So if you're gonna if you're gonna if you need to do if you need to do one, do the cinematics. Um, but I agree with you that it's just kind of like, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't it, need it. Just Especially if it's a really me. hard boss. Shut up. Yeah. I, I don't want to watch, uh, or, or save me after the cinematic in the halfway point and then let me keep doing the boss fight. So if I die in the second part, I don't have to rewatch the cinematics again. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I think 16 did that to some extent, at, at least with it some did. fights, uh, which yeah. is more than I can say about final fantasy seven remake, which I was replaying on hard mode and, uh, it doesn't do that, and it has a lot of mid-boss fight cinematics because it's anime as fuck. And uh, so, in, in a lot of the later boss fights, you can get three or four mid-boss fight cinematics in a single boss fight, and they're all unskippable. And it's like, fuck mm-hmm. you. Eat mm-hmm. shit. This is fucking annoying. I just want to beat the boss. Get out of my fucking <laughs> yeah. way. Yes, especially when they're unskippable, I will say. That's that's a big... Yeah, I, I I will give a shout out to a couple of the games on my list, um, Holmes and Alan Wake Two uh, and Pentiment actually, um, all have like the ability to skip dialogue or skip content that you've already gone through, yeah. um, or you know even if, if you're just like impatient, you can just skip through. And all, Baldur's Gate Three, same thing. Um, bravo, keep that fucking up. I'm tired of shit where it's like every single fucking time. I go through an area, I have to hear the same shit again or watch the same scene. Don't do that. Yep. I've seen it once. It was great. I love that you did it. Don't make don't force me to sit through it. I'm glad that showed up on all three of our lists. 
Hell yeah. I'm, yeah. Finally, we've yeah. waited so long. Yeah, if, <laughs> yeah, I'm in closing. If you're gonna commit your life to the service of an evil creation god, at least it needs to turn into your big tittied mom so you yeah. can rail it. Okay. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, um, also she has her own um, uh, entry in the like lore decks that they come up with, and it's just it's her naked. It's literally Barnabas's yep. dead mom naked. Uh, and they, yeah, they talk about for, it. Oh, for, when, for when he gets tired oh, of his silver-haired twink. Wait, wait, yeah, hang on. I forgot yeah. to, I almost forgot. We, we gotta that, talk. <laughs> all, right, all right, so so me me loading up the game for the first time, having never played a Final Fantasy, I see I see the Akons, I see the, like, cool, weird shit, and I go, I go to James and Lee, and I go, hey, so one of the guys, one of the guys who turns into, like, a giant, like, you know, giant dude, he turns into a knight on a horse. And I'm like, is he both the knight and the horse or is he riding someone else? And you guys didn't have an answer for me. Will didn't have an answer for me. I keep playing and it turns out that there is this silver haired twink, which yes. props to 2023 year of the silver haired twink. Year of the silver haired twink. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has this silver haired twink named Sleepner, which I was like, huh, an interesting reference to the horse from Norse mythology. Uh-huh. He's riding his twink into battle, baby. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Let there be no no gray area in knowing that Barnabas fucks. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and literally, I had people being like, oh, like people arguing with me being like, no, it's it, he's not the horse. And I literally, I just send them the screen cap of the yeah. lore that literally it's, just it's, says, Sleepner's the horse. And I was yeah. like, yeah. You read the lore. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. Oops, all femboys. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. What a good year. Oh, oh yeah. We all good. right. So yeah, that's my number four. FF sixteen. Nice, nice. I think it's me now, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm in a I'm in a post Final Fantasy haze now. All right. So, um, my number four. I uh, um. I've been trying to get back into reading. Um, so I, I, I read I read a bunch of stuff this year, or not as much as I wanted to, but still a decent amount. Mostly I reread a bunch of stuff because I was just like, hey, I need to... Stuff that inspired me in the past, let's fucking, you know, check it out again. Do some comfort reading. Um, but there were a couple of books that I read for the first time this year um, that really... Like, they'd been on my list for a while as, like, these are really good horror books. And I was like, fuck, y'all were right. Um, so the first one of that is a book called The Changeling uh, by Victor Lavalle. Um, okay. And so this is a book. Um, it is, um, it takes place in New York. It's sort of a, um, it, it's horror fantasy. And I want to call it sort of a dark fairy tale. And when I say dark fairy tale, I do not mean like Alice Madness Returns, where it's like, oh, it's Alice in Wonderland, but she's wearing goth makeup and she's <laughs> cutting people up and blah, blah. No, I don't mean that kind of shit. I mean the kind of fairy tales that people used to tell before they got watered down into like children's it, content. It's, it's like, Alice in Wonderland, but she listens to Pierce the Veil. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I, you know, no, 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 not that much shade to American McGee, but like, that's just that's a whole thing whatever i don't i don't mean that kind of dark fairy tale i mean the ogs i mean the stuff where people you know trying to understand our place in the world asked questions of each other and those questions were those stories 
Um, and yeah, it's this, it, it just has such an atmosphere to it. So it follows, um, the main character is this guy, Apollo Cagua, and he is, um, um, his mom came from, uh, his mom is an immigrant, immigrant from Africa, and, like, basically, like, he has this trauma in his childhood where his dad, who's this, like, white New Yorker guy, um, abandons him as a, as a child. Um, and at one point, his dad comes back and leaves a collection of books, um, that he calls Improbabilia, and I forget the reason why. Um, but essentially that's his only interaction with his dad and it kind of becomes like his whole thing. He becomes a like rare book collector and that's, that's like his, you know, his thing. And he grows up and he meets the love of his life. Um, Mm -hmm. this woman, Emma, um, they have a baby together. Uh, and then Emma starts to think that their baby is not their baby anymore. And she does something fucking horrifying and... That's basically the inciting incident of the book is Mm. the main character coming to terms with a horrific event that happens to his child and then slowly learning that his wife might have been right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's very fucked up. It's very dark and it's so good. I I think I cried maybe like three times in the book. Um, and there's what can get that out of you. Yes. And there's one scene in particular that happens in a church basement where if, if any of you guys read this, it is, Oh God. It's so like, I can, I can picture it. It's, it's a very cinematic book. I will say, um, I definitely had like a head cannon cast for who was in it, which I usually don't, I don't tend to do for books a lot of the time, but this one felt so like I can see the like there's one character that I was just like that's Tilda Swinton. Like I don't care. <laughs> like, like, like I'm like, that's who I see when I hear when I read when I read that writing, I hear her her voice saying mm-hmm. these lines and stuff like that. Um and yeah, it was it it's it's just it's so good, guys. Like yeah, yeah. I, I I dug it a lot. Um and it was it, it lived up to the hype, absolutely. Um so yeah. The Changeling by Victor Lavalle is my number four. Nice. Yeah, I got I gotta love when um like the good old fashioned ink and paper medium can can still be a tearjerker. Yeah, like, absolutely. There's there's a a novella that's set inside of a bigger book universe, um, The King Killer mm. Chronicles by Pat Rothfuss. Oh, my oh. favorite character in that series is this girl named Ari. She's like 17 or 18. She lives in the ruins, like underground, uh, an old school. Like she's basically homeless, just living in ruins. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's got this really quirky, magical way of looking at the world. And she has an entire novella about her from her POV. So it's oh, all yeah. this very whimsical way of looking at the world. That's awesome. And the without giving too much away for those who want to read it, there's a chapter in the book where she's making a gift for the main character of the series. And she's going to go meet up with him to give it to him. And if you know the main book and it's pacing, he wasn't able to meet up with her that night. So she mm. like thought she got abandoned. Mm. And so it's this whole chapter of her making the perfect gift for him. And then he no shows. Mm. And then you turn the page and chapter three is just six words. On the third day, Ari wept. Oh. And that's the whole 
chapter oh, and fuck. i just put the book down and just like oh god <laughs> oh man so good all right number four saves what you got yeah. i'm gushed about it a bit in the past uh i don't want to get too much into it uh hi-fi rush it's super fucking charming it is a passion project with a capital p and it fucking came out of nowhere it's also one of those games that came out super early in the year that everybody seemingly forgot about for the most part it's a uh, a rhythm action game like it definitely deserved the sound i think it won for audio this year yeah it's totally deserved (laughs) um suck at rhythm games but this game introduces a lot of accessibility options to make it so even nice. if you suck at rhythm games you can still progress and beat the game it's a nice. lot of fucking fun visually it's incredible uh ost is fantastic characters are likable combat system is a lot of fun uh if you have game pass either pc or xbox please go play it uh, if you don't, and you happen to have a PC or Xbox, please go play it. <laughs> That's it. Wish. That's it's Hell it's yeah. from Tango Gameworks, and uh, I'm despite uh, some of the developers who work there having worked at other companies and worked on banger shit, like it's founded by Shinji Mikami, who was the creator of Resident Evil. Uh, I haven't really been a fan of their work in the past because they did the two Evil Within games. Uh, I haven't played much of Evil Within 2, but Evil Within 1 was such a sour taste. And I heard Ghostwire Tokyo was kind of mid. Uh, oh, I... It's like, yeah, all I mean, right. It's not, it's not, it's not amazing, but I didn't <clears throat> yeah. hate it. There, uh, were, there were moments that were... I think I think you'd like the detective character, mm, the the ghost. Okay. Because he's, he's really cool. And I, I think I... Yeah, I played it in Japanese, and he's like the best part. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hi-Fi Rush is is from them, and it's it's fantastic. It's... I recommend it. Go play it right now. Do it. Fucking stop this podcast. Go play it. <laughs> Fucking okay. do it. It's charming. It's super charming. It's uh the best use of licensed music, and I hate licensed music in video games because that normally fucking means that uh, in a few years the game is going to become delisted because the music industry is full of cunts. Uh, and the restrictions are dumb, and that results in a lot of games going away forever. In fact, Kat, did you know that there was a period of about a year or two where you could not buy Alan Wake? I it, love it. That's so it, good. It got delisted because the license yeah. is expired. Isn't that wow. wonderful? Wonderful, so and then Remedy managed to work out the contracts, and now you can buy it again. But that, that's actually another thing that I love about Remedy is when they realized that this is going to happen and they had to fucking delist the game, they put it on sale for 99 cents. And they were like, hey, go buy it. It's nice. going away. Nice. We don't care if we make any money from it. If you want it, please, now is your time to buy it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's Very my number cool. four. Uh, nice. I rush. Go play it. All right. We're getting into the into the, the metals. Taters. Yeah. All right. So Bronze. This, my top three. No. Um, like from the outset building this list, there was no way this wouldn't be the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all about order. And even then, this one was still kind of going to be firmly set at the number three. Um, okay. I I appeared as the guest on the podcast, a friend of the uh, friend of the goon cast, Zozo Duderino. Nice. And uh, he introduced me 
as the master of the gotcha game. <laughs> oh. Which I found hilarious because I didn't play gotcha games. <laughs> Until I started playing Honkai Star Rail. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And boy howdy, do I play a shitload of Honkai <laughs> Star Rail. Tell, tell me about oh Honkers. Jesus. Jesus oh my Christ, God. I play a lot of Honkai Star Rail. <laughs> yeah. It's been the yeah. only game that I've streamed uh this whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get to get real about it for a minute, so this is this is the new big Hoyoverse game. They are responsible for Genshin Impact, which is the biggest Basic, I, I say pound for pound the biggest game in the world right now. Um, like maybe Fortnite gives it a run for its money, depending on the crowd. But mm-hmm. um, this game has made itself accessible to more people because it it doesn't follow as strict of like a pay to win system as a lot of these other gotcha games does. There are plenty of streamers who are playing Star Rail who make it their point of saying we are strictly free to play, and they are able to clear all content in the game. You don't hit a difficulty paywall that you need to, you know, open the wallet for to break through. This game is actually just something you can pick up for free and play without, you know, needing to do the whole gotcha mechanic thing, Um, which is cool because I don't have a lot of money that I would like, you know, to throw to these games. Yes. Um, but just really, really cool cast of characters. Um, fun, uh, fun story about just like you're you're part of a crew on a, a magical train in outer space that just flies from planet to planet, solving problems, just getting into adventures. Um, there's a bigger overarching narrative about these things called stellarons that are these these magical orbs that are like unleashing cataclysms upon certain planets. They're all tied to the gods. And every character follows one of the paths of these deities called Aeons. Um, But it just has such a cool charm to it. You know, a a lot of these games boil down to like, oh, this character looks cool. I want to have them. Mm -hmm. You know, these things can very easily just become like waifu and husbando collectors. And while there is certainly that to a degree, uh, Kafka is fucking wonderful. The game just has a really cool, simple, fun turn-based system. There are some depths to the mechanics. It's not a super like in-depth like strategy sort of thing. You don't need to do a whole lot of planning. It's a very casual, boot it up, do your dailies, play for 30 minutes, move on with your life kind of thing. And that's kind of what I need from a game right now. You know, it's I, I hate to just put this in that that light of like, oh well. You know, I'd love to dig into game after game after game of shit like Final Fantasy 16 or like the number of hours I've sunk into Baldur's Gate. Uh, my life just kind of benefits right now from having something I can pop into for 30 minutes and just yeah. bang out and move on from. Hell yeah. And um, Star Rail has been a really just relaxing kind of experience. I... I I think that the whole gotcha microtransaction pay to win system is judged harshly appropriately. I think that it is a vampiric mm. parasite in gaming. Yeah. So yeah. I have to take a minute to appreciate when a game very much of that ilk from the creators of like the most notorious one can be a totally welcoming free to play system. That I've got to respect that. So yeah, uh, I will definitely be sticking along with this. I started playing this game on day two of its release, and I've been logging on 
daily, I think, ever since. Um, and I think the game has a really bright future. So Honkai Star Rail, number three. Hell yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. <laughs> yeah. Didn't see that one coming, fuckers. No, no, not at all. Uh, all right. My number three. Uh, this is this is probably going to be a bit of a surprise because I don't think I've talked about this too much with you two. Um, I think I might have mentioned it when I first saw it. Um, but... <sighs> okay, so I don't... I don't necessarily think that I have a reputation as, like, the weird artsy movie person. Um, but I do think this won't help at all. <laughs> I mean, you do. You, you, you like you that one... After this podcast. You yes. like that one stop motion thing. I forgot yeah, its yeah, name. Exactly, exactly. Mad God am, great. Yeah, exactly. That's your reputation from now lover. on. This is, this is actually very, very in a similar vein to Mad God. Uh, my number three is a film called Skinamarink. Oh, I've heard of this. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, it was actually a shout out to my friend uh, Marissa. She's the one who recommended it for me. She was like, it's fucking crazy. And I was like, okay, all right. And she really wanted to hear like what I had to say about it. Um, and I will say that initially starting the movie, it it initially didn't quite grab me. There were a couple like it, it's it's a very. It is an experience. And as soon as that experience, like, clicks in your mind, it is brilliant. <laughs> um, and I know, I know just saying that people are, like, rolling their eyes at how fucking, like, hoity-toity it sounds. But, like, genuinely, like, it is... So the movie itself is, um, it's basically, it's very, like, experimental. Um, and it's very, it's shot like an old, like, VHS recording. Um, I think it's all shot on... Uh, I didn't do too much like research of it beforehand, um, but it's 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 made by this guy Kyle Ball is like the the director and you know writer and all this stuff and it's it's just this highly like I wouldn't even call it cerebral it's just it's very heady um, and it's about uh, put very simply uh, these kids who like wake up in the middle of the night and find that their dad is missing. And also, all of the doors and windows in their house start disappearing. Um, and it's it's very weird and very fucked up. And, like, it doesn't... Like, the things that happen on screen don't really... It's not a movie... Like Mad God, I don't think it's a movie that you have to literally understand everything that's happening on screen. Um, I think it is very much a film that lives in the kind of, like, between shots of just, like... Oh, what the fuck? Like, I am like, you're, you're essentially like, you feel like you're watching a snuff film almost. Like you feel mm -hmm. like you're watching something where like, this feels so visceral and real and like something taboo. Exactly. It's getting, it's getting into my heart in a way that like, you know, if this were just, cause on paper, it's like, I've seen this kind of film before, right? Kids in danger, uh, kids in like a haunted house kind of thing. I've seen, it's kind of like lights out esque a little bit. Um, but you actually like watch the fucking movie and it's just like, it's none of that. It's, it's all this, like, again, it's just, it's so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so cool what they were able to kind of convey. It's, it's sort of like it, what I think what it gets at is this sort of primal fear that you lose when you're no longer a child. If that makes any sense. Mm. Like it's basically like, what you are feeling is the fear of the dark that you had when you were 
like two years old where you would like run to bed or you know four or five years old or whatever where you'd run to bed and like tuck your feet under the blanket because if your feet were dangling a monster under your bed would grab them it's that kind of thing where it's just like that's the vibe of it entirely it's it's yeah it's so good yeah this Um, was on my radar i just didn't get around to watching it unfortunately yeah yeah i i i'm curious to know what you would what you would think because it is it is very much a movie that like you have to just like sit in there and like tune your brain to it and just kind of like let it it, it's it's like art basically right it's, it's like not you a second just, monitor movie you gotta know it is it. It, yeah it is not a second monitor movie and it's also something where like if you're if you're going in and expecting to to quote unquote get it then it's like no you're already you know I, I, then I, you've I, already lost i already it. think you've already lost yeah um the one thing the, my one criticism of it is that there is a jump scare in the middle that i think didn't need to exist Okay. Um, where I was just kind of like, eh, all right, you know, like, like it, ha- it happened and I went, mm, I don't know about that guys. <laughs> um, but everything else I was, I was in it. I was in it from maybe like the 30 minute mark till the end. I was just like sold. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Skin and Marine, number, number three, my bronze. Oh yeah. Um, uh, my number three, I don't want to talk about too much because we already did a podcast on it. It's the Kaguya special, the first kiss that hey! never ends. It's Yay! delightful. It's more Kaguya. Yeah, hell yeah. Go, go, watch, go watch the yeah. go watch your podcast on it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. That's the that's the it's tweet. So that's the yeah. tweet. Lee number it two. Make, it makes me cry. <laughs> Silver. All right, my silver is higher on somebody else's list. Hey, what? Oh yeah, my god! Oh, good. Right, I I think I might know. I think <laughs> I know, and I'm ready to take a nap. <laughs> All right. Um. So my number two is my second book on the list. Um. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is another this year. Yeah, I know. I know. I was I was shocked. I was shocked. But also also I very heavily curated my. So there was. There was one book I read this year that I started and never finished. I got like one chapter in and I was like, I don't know why I don't like this, but I really don't like it. Um, and that that's why like it didn't end up on a list because it just didn't ever gel with me. It would have if I had actually powered through and finished it, I think. But um, but this book was not that. Um, so uh, my number two is The Only Good Indians by Stephen oh, Graham Jones. Yes. Do you, do you know this one already? Yes, I do. Okay. Have you read it? No, I haven't read it, but I I, I oh. know a lot about it. Okay, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my copy because I think you would yeah. love it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this was this was one that I saw highly recommended in a bunch of different places from a bunch of different authors I respect, and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. Um. Every time I mention it to people in mixed company, people go, oh, like you know, like oh, the title, oh, clutch their pearls, and I'm like guys really like <laughs> chill the fuck out um yeah exactly i'm very much like chill the fuck out uh but yeah i i definitely got a kick on like or i got i i was on a kick this year of like i'm going to look at non-white authors and see what's out there that's like really good and like damn like these two because uh victor lavalle is is also not he's a he's african-american and then um stephen graham jones is blackfeet which is the like the characters in the book are that's the tribe they're in as well um and it like i was like fucking mind blown i'm like these are yeah so good um but so yeah the only good indians basically follows four blackfeet men who um are haunted by something from their past 
And it is, uh, it initially took me a second to get into his writing style because um, I think I mentioned this to you, Lee, when I was reading it. Um, he tends to, I, I tend to, I tend to like things that vary sentence structure a lot more. Um, and he tends to be, have very like long winded sentences and like mm -hmm. endlessly. So it kind of, when I'm reading that sort of thing, when it's like, when it's a rhythm like that, it kind of gets me into like a, Oh shit. I just read three paragraphs and I absorbed none of it. Um, right. yeah. but once it, once it clicked for me, I was just like, I literally, I think I took, I took like a month or two to read, to read the first hundred pages. And then I took, two days to read the next 300 oh, there you go yeah that was how fucking good it was specifically the like second chapter uh that follows lewis i was just like oh my god i can't stop reading this lewis was my favorite character by far um but yeah and it's just it's a it's a really solid i i think like this one was also very cinematic um i think it kind of um I won't say it reminds me too much of Stephen King just because I like I think this is better than Stephen King, frankly. Um, but, you know, it's like it's very much in that vein of like it's 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 horror, not in. It's horror in a very digestible sense, if that makes any sense. You know, like there there was definitely I think the, the final chapter of this book uh, I've definitely teared up at. Um, but it, not to the level that, that the changeling got me. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like, it was less emotional of a read, but definitely more of a, like, I just fucking consumed this shit at a certain point where I was just like, Oh, this is like, <laughs> I love this book. And I was like, I knew, I knew it had to end up like super high on my list. So, mm -hmm. um, and I think, uh, from what I've, from what I've read of like both of their, or from what I've seen of both of their other works, I think I will like, um, Jones's like other works a little bit more than I'll probably like Laval is um not for any particular like quality reason just because I think he keeps writing more in like a horror style and I think Lavalle gets a little bit more um just a little bit less horror uh I'll probably still go back and read like some of his other stuff because some of them sound really fucking cool um but specifically like this one has like books that like kind of follow along the same sort of storylines and I'm like all right all right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm down. Sign me up. Yeah, let's go. Um, so yeah, I'm just like this. This was, this was amazing and really like. It, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, this is the kind of story that only this guy can tell, and that's that's the kind of thing that I'm like. It, it's both really inspiring as a writer as well to be like, there's some things, there's some stories that only you have in you, mm -hmm. you know, um, and also really disheartening because you're like damn i could never do something this good <laughs> like, <laughs> oh i love when a book does that when a book's so yeah. good it makes you just go why am i even trying <laughs> yeah exactly that was me with station 11 i'm like yeah. fuck yeah all yeah right, i'm yeah. done yeah that that was this one where i was just like damn this is this is brilliant and i can't ever nothing i do will be this brilliant but at the same time it's like hey maybe something else i don't know <laughs> Good shit. So yeah, it was, it was, it's really good. It's really good. I learned a lot too. So, um, so yeah, uh, uh, the only good Indians, Stephen Graham Jones, excellent book, number two. Yeah. 
My number two is something I also don't want to talk about too much, but for different reasons, it's specifically to avoid spoilers. I've gushed about it previously on previous episodes of the podcast. It is my game of the year. It is Killer Frequency. Yeah! Uh, It is an indie game by Team17. It is a uh, little horror title, little narrative horror title. It doesn't take too long to play through. It's, It's like four hours, four or five hours. Um... You play as a radio DJ in a small town in the 1980s, and there is a serial killer on the loose. The serial killer has disabled the police force because it's a small town that only consists of three cops. Uh, And you have to wait for backup to arrive, and you're acting as the makeshift 911 operator. And you have to solve various different logic puzzles uh, to help potential victims avoid their ghastly fates. It is incredibly well written. It is charming. It is fun funny uh i highly fucking recommend it uh please play it it's fantastic and this is this is something that i've barely seen anybody talk about and uh i want more people to play it i love it i am and i will be playing it this year (laughs) Hell yeah yeah i i definitely from what you've described of it it's something that's also on my radar because i think you i think you mentioned it was it kind of gave you um what's it called the movie uh Pontypool. Yeah, I gave you Pontypool yeah. vibes. It's very like, Pontypool like, because more things, more things need to give us Pontypool vibes just, for sure. Just like replay, it's it's funnier than Pontypool, obviously, okay. because it's more yeah, of like yeah. a horror comedy. But it's it's not mm-hmm. like the annoying kind of horror comedy. Like yeah. it's it's the, the a lot of the comedy comes from absurdist absurdist and how exasperated the dj is getting in getting with this situation yeah and and that that's that's cool to me yeah um that kind of comedy and it's it's uh but again the whole thing you never leave the radio station you can leave your your booth because you got to explore the the radio station to potentially find clues that will will help you solve the puzzles uh mild spoilers for example but there's one person who's in the town hedge maze and and the killer is also in the town hedge maze and they're lost in the hedge maze but the receptionist at your radio station happens to be a fan of that hedge maze and has a map of the hedge maze that they pass out so you actually have to read the map that you can find at the receptionist desk and the caller has to give you like okay i'm at the bird statue and you have to look at the, the the map and go like okay the bird statue is there and like follow the map of the maze and go okay make a left or Are make you sure a right this isn't 2006's the maze i'm 100 percent sure uh there's 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 don't, all don't hit, that's don't hit me. <laughs> yeah there's there's all sorts of little little logic puzzles like that or another instance is uh without going into too many details uh, one victim has been stabbed and uh, they're in critical condition, but the killer left them. The, the the killer left them alive. You need to because the fact that nine one one has been disabled. Uh, you need to figure out which one of the radio staff, the 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 radio station staff, uh, lives closest to the potential victim and has at least adequate medical training to stabilize them. Oh shit! <laughs> Inter- okay, interesting. It's it's fun. it's fun, and you need to like you figure that out, and then also because like again, the hospital it's a small town. They have one ambulance, and the killer blew up the ambulance, so they can't go and pick the person up. You need to like relay information from the hospital to the person who's with the victim, and then figure out who's near them 
to get them to come over to help stabilize them and get them to the hospital. And it's it's it racks your brain. Uh, the the only mild criticism I can say is uh, uh, outside of just seeing alternate scenarios, there's not too much replay value because the solution to every single puzzle is the same on every single playthrough. Uh, none of the dialogue or cinematics are skippable, so that can make trying to get a platinum a bit of a slog, if mm. especially if you like want to do it immediately. Uh, but like, if you space it out, like you pick it up again, six months later, using a guide to like go the alternate route or whatever, it's much more doable. Mm -hmm. But again, it was fun. It was charming. It was spooky. Uh, it had the single scariest moment I have experienced in 2023. And there was no jump scare. There was no noise stinger. There was nothing. It was just, it potentially could have even been a blink if you miss it, if you weren't paying attention sort of situation mm. where it's like, that's how you fucking do effective creepy horror. That's how you unnerve the player. 10 out of 10. That's Love the it. best kind. Go Hell play yeah. it. All right. Ladies and gents. Here we are. Number one. Now tell me why it's Neil Breen. The gold. The gold. Well, for those who have uh for those who have checked out the golden roccos before you you would know that it's part of my tradition here to include my music roundup of the year uh -huh. mm -hmm. and my music roundup is at the number one spot oh. this uh this year for music that i'm into has been incredibly fucking good um just to quickly go over some of the best records uh of the year um james had this on his list uh rebirth from the old gods of asgard it's kind of a greatest hits plus new material but absolute fucking killers um versailles which is a symphonic uh metal band from japan reunited with their singer Camillo, who's uh, a singer i got incredibly into this year they put out a new record called vogue it's incredible uh, power metal band Camelot with The Awakening, fantastic record. Uh, one of my all-time favorite bands, In Flames, put out a record called Forgone. It's excellent. It's a return to form. And uh, my boy Ville Valo, the former singer of Him, brought out his first solo record, Neon Noir, and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I experienced a record this year that I don't exaggerate when i say it has changed my life uh take me back nice. to eden by sleep token is my media of the year awesome hell this, yeah this album has fucking done things to me <laughs> good lord and i i'm i'm aware of the fact that it's a little bit of a bandwagon thing um a lot of people are catching on to this band this year because they just started trending on tiktok they put out a song called The Summoning that has this like weird groovy kind of section at the end that uh, that got trending for going along with like uh, thirst trap dance videos. And, oh, OK. All right. And hey, so, hey, get that bag. <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. You got like, to do it nowadays. Well, that's that's uh, I will say this for Sleep Token because I've been to see them live this year and seen what the crowd looks like. Um, a lot of Sleep Token fans are hot metal chicks. Just gonna nice. say. Nice. Uh, and boy, do they like dancing to their songs on TikTok. <laughs> um, the band kind of strikes a balance between a progressive, uh, lighter metal side with 
uh, hip hop elements. It's it's very it's hard mm. to pigeonhole them into a particular genre. But over the course of one song, uh, my favorite song on the newest record being called Ascensionism, it'll transition from opening slow piano ballad into two minute rap section into two minute heavy metal outro back to piano fade. And it's just like, what the fuck kind of journey did I just get put on? And the entire record is that this this is one of those few albums I will say is a perfect 10 out of 10, all killer, no filler. Um but what is so cool about this group is that they have a mythos built behind them. Um, the identities of the four members, unless you really want to do creepy internet shit and like stalk them, are unknown. Uh, okay. they, uh, the main singer is only called Vessel. He is, mm. they all dress in like cultist robes and masks. And the gimmick is they are in service of an ancient eldritch being named sleep mm. and the band is merely presenting these songs to you as tribute to their god and so the singer appropriately named vessel is just the vessel of sleep's wisdom and the other band members are simply two three and four and these these boys just hit the stage and they worship their their dark god and it fucks um nice i i have a thing for bands especially when they're metal adjacent or or heavier bands that tackle subject matter that people on the outside of the genre don't really like expect like heavy metal kind of has that vibe of like oh yeah you know slaying dragons and riding motorcycles and doing blow and yeah sure that's that's you know a fair bit of it but, you know, Kill Switch Engage is all about optimism and positivity and hope. Um, him is entirely about love. They're, they're their own genre called love metal. Sleep yeah. Token basically only writes songs about love or sex or, like, that human interaction. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird, raw, like, sensual energy about all their work that just it makes you feel something it it really hits you on a raw vulnerable level they they have a song on this new record called do you wish that you loved me and the song keeps using that phrase over and over do you wish you loved me do you wish you loved me it's like oh like who's who's he pining after who's this person that's out of reach and then you read into two or three of the lyrics a little closer and he's singing the song to a mirror and it's just like oh fuck that now I got to re-listen to it. Oh, now that hurts on this whole deeper level. This this record absolutely slaps. In a in a year of fantastic albums and in a year where, you know, spoilers for the next conversation we're about to have, where I played I think one of the greatest games I've ever played. Um, <laughs> this as someone who has had music as the forefront of his like uh interest and development this is one of the best bands i've ever had the pleasure of listening to sleep token yeah. take me back to eden number one amazing that's great yeah it, this was wild shit you know i am not um i'm not a big music person obviously as <laughs> y'all can probably attest to the years of knowing me uh but every time you talk about bandsley i'm like this is fucking dope and i should get more into music 
Well, that's why we need to do more karaoke so you're, days. You're very, you're, yeah, you're very inspiring. I should say that your 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 passion is uh, infectious. No, you're breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Pat Lee, tell me about Baldur's Gate. <laughs> oh boy. Shut up! Shut up and get out of here, James. <laughs> We're gonna have a moment. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. To yeah, absolutely no one's surprise. Shut up, James. <laughs> um. Because this game is sitting at uh 681 hours in my Steam library. Yes. Um. Baldur's Gate Three is my uh number one media of yeah. the year. Um, my number two. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It was. An incredibly easy decision uh, in a in a in a year with so much good stuff, and there was a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. Baldur's Gate like sat at my number one probably since like the first couple weeks of launch. Um, I, it, it's it's I, I will try not to gush too hard about it um, because we're already at like what five hours now or something like that. Um, but holy shit, this game is special. And, the level uh, of care that went into this. Yes, yes. It's just, it's it's something where uh, it inspires me as a game dev. It mm -hmm. inspires me as a writer. Yeah. Uh, it, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's not a single character in the game that I think is, like, weak or poorly written. Mm -hmm. Everyone feels real, feels... Uh, you know, like, like all of the companions have a, an amazing fucking growth, like huge, like, you know, like there's so many people that are like, oh, I hated this character. God, like me, you know, I came out the bat being like, yeah, I fucking hate this one character. And then eventually I was like, yeah, all right. I actually kind of like him because you that that's what the game is. basically. You can just say it's Gale. It is Gale. Yes. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is like, I hated him my first playthrough because he was buggy as shit. Let's just put that out there um but yeah my my like third playthrough i ended up romancing him and i was like this is like and he's great. this is really sweet yeah uh all of the voice actors fucking kill it like yeah. it's like upset to an upsetting degree where i'm just like this is like uh, yeah this is amazing um and yeah, yeah the having just that... talked about the voice acting in final fantasy 16 like this is yeah. just another yeah, exactly. Like Final Fantasy 16 has some amazing voice acting and any other year I would say like fucking Ben Star should have taken the cake there, but like the entire Baldur's Gate cast deserved to be up there. It was just like holy fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Neil, um, yeah, Neil Newbon was absolutely incredible. Like Amelia yes. Tyler is the narrator. Yes. Devor yes, Wild is Lazel. Jen yes. English is Shadowheart. Fuck yeah. Me. Yeah. Samantha Baird like as Carlac. Uh, oh like, yeah. Just holy shit everyone is so good um and frankly they touch on a lot of themes that a lot of games don't even fucking bother with and the way that they executed it was like i i will not say this lightly that like a character in a scene said a line of dialogue that i verbatim have said in therapy and mm. like that to me i'm like all right <laughs> fucking like easiest game of the year like of my life <laughs> yeah i'm like this is like it's it's very clearly a thing that has resonated with a ton of people for a ton of different reasons um and yeah i just like I, yeah i i think uh you know to also get into like 
I love the gameplay. I'm not usually a turn-based kind of person. I really liked, though, like, how well they executed. Like, the scope of this game is bananas to me. I can't believe how many things they, like, accounted for that you could just do. And how many things that they were just like, yeah, you know what? If you want to fucking pick up every barrel in the game and, like, chuck it at this one person, go for it. Um, it Yeah, it's just, like, I don't know. It, it's... But- it's yeah, the number the number of outcomes that they predicted and wrote for is what blows yes. me away here. Like yeah, there is exactly. there is an instance where you you are given the opportunity uh to decide what to do when Asterian tries to bite you for the first mm-hmm. time. And you have the option, okay, I'll let him bite me. And then you get the option of okay, you can tell him to stop. Okay, you fuck up the roll. His bloodlust goes into effect. He doesn't stop. He kills your character. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can then change your player character to somebody else. Let's say Shadowheart. Mm-hmm. Run over to your character's body. Resurrect him. And then take back control of your character. Go initiate conversation with Asterion. And the scene will play out. Hey, I'm back from the dead. What the <laughs> fuck was that about and he'll go oh god you're alive (laughs) and they do this with like every possible situation there there are a ton of extremely specialized like cutscenes that they like there was one that i specifically it it's something i never would have done myself at all but um there's a uh there's a temple that you go to in act one uh, that is the temple of lathander so he's the god of the sun um, and specifically they have this like giant fucking laser, like sun laser cannon at the top of the thing. That's like ancient and hasn't been used in forever. Um, but you can trigger it and specifically you can, uh, you can trigger it in such a way and leave a Starian down there. So he dies by being like nuked by a fucking sun space laser. Um, and then you go back to, you can go back to camp and res him at, at, with the, with the, your 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 good old bone boy withers um and there is a special scene that plays out where he yells at you for getting him killed and you go oh i thought you i thought the sun was fine for you and he 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 basically says like oh well we've now learned that there is you know there's a big difference between like a nice sunny day and the full fucking power of the sun and like the line read is so brilliant and it's just it's something where it's just like why did they record this like why did they sp- it's such a okay I'm gonna give um, I'm gonna give a little bit of a curtain peek into um, the Last of Us. Um, so uh, this is something that I I did specifically um, when we were remaking it. Uh, we brought over like all of the fucking lines for like everybody, um, but specifically there were some lines uh, for some of the enemy characters uh, that were a little weird. Um, they're not really how we do things anymore, but like. Apparently, when they were in the booth, they just, like, recorded some lines that were, like, special. So, specifically, um, one of the, one of the NPC actors, uh, and I don't, I don't know if I should say his name or not, because he's a pretty famous voice actor now, but, uh, so I won't. Um, but he had a line that, uh, (laughs) that we have, he had a line that we now, like, refer to all of our lines that are like this as, um, which is, we call them chupacabra lines because he had a line where, uh, during an investigation, if you clear it and like, haven't found anything, he'll say, must've been that chupacabra. 
And it's like the weirdest fucking line. You're like, what? Where did that even come from? Um, and so we, from from then on, like we would refer to lines as chupacabra lines where they're just like they're weird and they're out of nowhere. And also they're just like they're so highly like specific and so highly like we should not like nobody else has this line. It's literally one specific faction of one specific character voice that has this line. And that's like everything in Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> everything in Baldur's like so much of Baldur's Gate 3 is chupacabra lines, where yeah. it's if you go down an incredibly specific route and you fucking do all of this shit to like set this up, you will get a like specific unique experience that the devs have catered for you. And that's the thing that like blows my fucking mind is how much of this game is like it's again it's just it's so special where it's a shame that so many people will go through a whole run of this game three four playthroughs and might not be gifted the magic of two seconds where gail screams at you stop licking the damn thing (laughs) yes (laughs) yes exactly and and like actually funnily enough um i had a because i've talked about i've talked everyone's ear off about this game since i've been playing it um and specifically i've i've talked about like with a couple of friends who um this this one guy was like and this is this is also like a an incredibly common thing apparently with like people who have played um basically astarian was like my first romance character uh not necessarily because i'm like oh he's so hot it's like my whole <laughs> hilariously uh, I thought I, I thought he was funny as shit, so I just always kept him in my party. And then, uh, and I really liked playing as a rogue. Um, and then, the first time I got to the goblin party uh, was in a co-op campaign with a friend of mine. And uh, we went around and we were like, oh, we can hook up with somebody. But I think we did everything too fast, so like we hadn't progressed anyone's romance far enough. Mm. And the way that a starian rejects you is he laughs in your face and goes like, I have standards. And I was like, bitch, bet. <laughs> so <laughs> then in my solo campaign, I was just like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and he ended up being like one of the like sweetest parts of the game. But a lot of people will get the like cutscene in the beginning where he fucking draws a knife on you as soon as you meet and kill him. <laughs> Yeah. And so one of my friends missed out on this entire narrative. Well, okay, so hilariously, one of my friends was like, he's he's basically restarted the game a bunch of different times because uh he always plays co-op with people and he'll always just like roll up a new character. And apparently every single time he's killed a Starian. And he was like he was like the first time we did it, we didn't realize who he was. We didn't know. And then I saw the box art and I was like, oh, I think he was supposed to I think he was important. Um and I and I I was like laughing my ass off because this was right after the game awards. And so I was like, imagine if you had never put two and two together and then you're watching the game awards and you're seeing him win best actor and you're like, really? He had he had three lines. <laughs> God. That's, it, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, the the only thing that I'll 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 throw in on the discussion, because I, I could ramble about this game for a long time, is just yeah. I'm I'm very I'm very drawn into games these days that immerse you in a narrative. I'm I'm actually willing to let a lot of things slide on gameplay and how it handles if I feel like I'm getting a fleshed out story from it. Yeah. And 
the when you when you dive into the meat of this story it becomes so engrossing it you know the the topics that they're handling are sensitive and they're handled with tact and they're handled with respect (laughs) yeah in all my years of gaming i don't think there is a character i have legitimately cared about more than shadowheart (laughs) yeah like i just i just want this girl to be fucking happy (laughs) can this girl just please be fucking happy and that's the thing is like I I have now at this point gone through I've I've romanced historian two three times now I think uh, I romanced yeah, Gale once I romanced Carlac once uh, and like my original squad was Astarian, Will and Carlac and I a hundred percent just like shipped Will and Carlac together because I was just like this is they're too cute together I just in my head I'm like that's yeah. This is this is a double date. Every time That's we go out, every time we go out on a on a mission, it's just a double date. Um, and yeah, I just like every single one of them is so sweet, and I just I'm like I just want I want all of all of my little bi disasters to be happy. <laughs> so yeah, and yeah, Lee and I have talked about this where we're just like oh the the collection of ones and zeros that i've just come to love <laughs> it's yeah. like it's true it's true but it's really a testament to like these characters are incredibly written incredibly acted it it's, it's really good by baldur's gate y'all yep, get it support get it these support these devs because holy fucking shit i want them to i want them to all be set for fucking life i swear to god i have i have purchased baldur's gate for I think six people besides myself at this point. No, no, it's like ten now. That's how oh, much yeah. I fucking love this game. Where I'm like, love. I'm like, I, I, number one, I'm mad I can't buy it for myself more than like two or three times. So I'm going to keep buying it for other people. <laughs> That's commitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, James, you can come back now. I think we're done. <laughs> huh? What? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Did no. you enter a fugue state? No. <laughs> Come on, come on, Saber. I want to talk about my number six. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, was there, it's your number six? Oh, okay. I well. believe it's my number six. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Uh, well, uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because we did an entire episode about it. It's Tetris. Yes! Yay! Uh, nice! Th- this movie is so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, it's the most accurate depiction of video game development I've seen on Since film. Grandma's boy. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Eat shit and die? <laughs> God damn it. Uh, God. Yeah. In a on, in a in a year where we also had the fucking Matrix, it was like on, oh, on oh. paper on paper, just hearing they did a movie about Tetris. Uh I can see why people would scoff at it, especially if you go into the assumption that Lee did initially, where they think it's an adaptation of the video game. Mm-hmm. But uh as someone who was vaguely familiar or somewhat familiar with the story of the development, I was like, this could be a banger little biopic drama movie. And uh, yeah, it was. It was it 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 takes some uh, liberties, especially with that car chase towards the end of the movie. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> but you know yeah. what? Yeah. The car chase was still kind of fun. And the movie yeah. itself was still fun and it was well acted and uh, it had the best romance on screen. Amen. And it's a it's a heartwarming little story with a very very happy uplifting ending about 
to people in the video game industry and considering how fucked this year for the video game industry it was despite some amazing titles coming out uh knowing that at least you know years ago there was a happy ending for uh, for a potentially fucked video game development situation just tugged at my cold dead house burned down heartstrings <laughs> yeah this movie is fantastic it, it's one of the best bromances ever put on screen go watch it hell yeah yeah it's great nice all right. All right. Wow. So, We've done it. Yeah, Lee, do you have uh, any any least or most anticipated media for next year? One of each. Um, okay, well, uh, the one I am probably most excited for uh I got to I got to I got to throw a couple out there. The the DLC for Elden Ring whenever that comes out is going to Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Path of Exile 2 is going to be great. Nice. Uh, but my number one most anticipated anything is um, Mike Portnoy has rejoined my favorite band, Dream Theater. Which Ooh. means when they release a new record this year, it will be my favorite lineup of theirs for the first time since uh, the early 2010s. Nice. Beautiful. I think it, I think it's been 13 years since Portnoy has done a record with them. Beautiful. So. My most anticipated release of next of this year is a new Dream Theater record, and hopefully a tour. Nice. Do you have a least uh, anticipated? Uh, Exorcist 2. <laughs> okay, alright, you see... Uh, yeah, alright, fair. Or Rebel Moon 2. Oh, yeah, that I that's where I thought that was going. Because that's, I think, April? Whichever. Yeah, April or March, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna hate watch both of them. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, uh, so for for me... I somewhat misunderstood the assignment because I thought you meant like one thing for like each kind of form of media, but I'm just going to rattle them off real quick. Um, my most anticipated book for next year is a book called The Fisherman uh, by John Langan. Um, it's another horror book that I was like, that came highly recommended and I was just like, I, I own it now and I'm like, fuck yeah, I can't wait to sink my teeth into it. Um, my most anticipated movie is uh, Suitable Flesh. It's the new, like, Barbara Crampton produced it. I think it was originally supposed to be a, um, a, a Stuart Gordon film. Um, and uh, it's dropping on uh, uh, on Shudder in, like, a couple weeks. And I'm just nice. like, I've I've been kind of, like, chomping at the bit waiting for this to release so I could watch it. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hyped about that. Um, my most anticipated video game. Uh, I don't actually know... Um, if it will be releasing this year, they haven't announced a release date, but it's been in development for a hot minute. So here's hoping uh, the Riven remake mm, from Cyan yep. Worlds. So yep. I'm very it's already on my wish list. I'm very excited for that. Um, least anticipated. And I uh, as we were talking, I remembered something. So I likely I have a little sidecar entry um, that I. Don't think we'll, you know, be on anybody else's list. But uh, my least anticipated, even though I am trying to keep as much of an open mind as possible and trying not to just, like, blindly hate because I think it's probably going to be bad, the Silent Hill 2 remake. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm going, in, I'm going in with negative expectations and hoping that they can maybe pull something out. But I 
I doubt it. So, sorry to say, but the Silent Hill 2 remake. Um, and then my little asterisk sidecar entry is near replicant. Fuck you, James. <laughs> <laughs> As as soon as I finished Automata and put it down, I was like, fuck, okay, I got the plat and I'm done. He fucking mails me near Replicant. That's right. <laughs> you ain't finished, Yoko Taro. Oh, I'm I'm so, surprised at you, Kat. I figured why? your most your least anticipated would be that thing that you promised that you would stream or play in 2024. What thing is that? I don't oh, see no. I I've completely forgotten. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, well, here's the thing. I I have no, like, I don't know when that's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> no intention of playing. You said you would play, like, especially because Rebirth is the bundle where it comes with both games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do need to. Okay, well, then a second smaller sidecar includes final fan but that's the thing is i've never again my only final fantasy experience is 16 that's fine time slapped, ghosts so time ghosts <laughs> okay okay yeah i and, and also to be fair to near replicant from the little that i have like read of it it does seem like it would be more my it seems like it's more my speed narratively like it seems like it's doing more things that i would <clears throat> like but Still, still, just It'll gonna put fine. it out there. It'll be fine. Just gonna put it out there. It'll be fine. <laughs> All right, Jam. Uh, I'm gonna start mine off with my least anticipated, uh, uh, oh. because you, 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 you mentioned one thing that was a runner-up for least anticipated for me, which oh. is uh, Silent Hill Two, uh, mm -hmm. because uh, one. Silent Hill 2 also falls into the category of the game doesn't need a fucking remake. Uh, yes, mechanically, yeah. a lot of it is is dated, but also That's uh, kind of the point, mechanically, though. a lot of elements of it, like the restrictions of the time, kind of make it what. Yes. It yes. make it special. <laughs> as, uh, as anyone who played the HD remaster collection can attest. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Just give us a proper remaster, or at least put the PC version up on yeah. GOG so people can buy it and then download the um, enhanced edition mod and play it yeah. properly. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't trust Bloober Team, and the little I've seen of it uh, is uh, it, it feels like they're missing the assignment and, and adding in mm -hmm. stupid shit like combat roles and a lot of changes for the sake of changes. Like, uh, oh, we got a combat roles. We, we, like, they've aged up James Sunderland and Mary by like 10 to 15 years because, oh, well, we, we think trauma really only applies to people who are in like their 30s and 40s. Like, bitch, no. That's no, the point of Silent Hill 2 is the are fact you that you can, me? you can be younger and still experience something truly heartbreaking. Yeah, are you, you fucking kidding me? Fucking adults. <laughs> Uh, not to mention, Bloober has a very terrible track record, and uh, yeah, they I don't the really handle sensitive subject matter the best. Yeah. And Silent Hill do deals with a lot of sensitive subject matter. But my main James, least anticipated, it all ends in me. yeah, my main least anticipated, which is a bit of a toss-up because I'm also kind of anticipating making fun of it, uh, is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, I expect them to shit the bed completely. Uh, Kat and Lee have heard me bitch about this game multiple times. I think the Gooncast has heard me bitch about it multiple times. The Final <laughs> Fantasy VII remake and the fact mm -hmm. that it's 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 a um, false marketed lie because it's not a remake. Uh, I want to just put it on record too. I'm 
The game is set to end at the forgotten capital of FF7, uh, which is the end of disc one. Uh, I don't want to get too in-depth in case somebody is looking forward to Rebirth and for whatever reason they're unfamiliar with the big event at the end of disc one. Um, I am 100% expecting that to be changed because yeah, the writers are fucking cowards uh, and mm-hmm. they're more concerned with fucking fan service uh, over telling a good narrative. And granted, this is now a weird multiverse meta-sequel reinterpretation of Final Fantasy 7. But, um, yeah. Uh, for me, the Final Fantasy 7 remake trilogy, I haven't I haven't said this before, I only recently thought of it uh, when I was describing it to Kat and Lee, is it's the equivalent of the Peter Jackson Hobbit trilogy. They've taken something and they've just added mm-hmm. so much unnecessary, stupid, padded bullshit that it just... Mm-hmm that it just shits all over the original and this is also coming from somebody who's not even the biggest fan of the original um anyways enough about stupid shit uh positive thing it didn't come out in 2024 but it came out in 2023 but i'm waiting for it to hit streaming my most anticipated is godzilla minus one i want i want to see it yeah i'm looking forward to seeing it Please put it on streaming and stop writing shitty fucking clickbait articles about is Godzilla minus one on streaming? And then yeah. you pad out the article I, with about sixteen I, fucking I saw, paragraphs. I saw the I saw the tweet that mysteriously showed up somewhere in the middle of our Baldur's Gate discussion. Because yeah. I was like, hey, is this streaming yet? And it's again, it's articles that have been written by the same publications today who have written an article last week and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that stop writing the same fucking article mm-hmm. every fucking week and stop padding it out with Godzilla minus one is and then you explain what the movie is and then you explain where you can see it which is in theaters and then you have to scroll through 16 fucking paragraphs to get no it's not available on streaming yet until who has announced when it's going to be for streaming just just fucking leave up your old article it's going to get clicks writing new articles isn't going to do a goddamn thing nothing's fucking changed you're making up bullshit I'm tired of this shit fuck off (laughs) I hope your site goes bankrupt. I'm tired of it. This, this movie just missed my cutoff for this list. I will absolutely be discussing this next year. Hell Holy yeah. fuck, what a movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I cannot wait awesome. to see it. It's so yeah, fucking I'm, good. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Actually, my husband uh, left the house 20 minutes ago to go see it with his friends. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I don't want to say anything more because this, this we've been over it five hours now. Let's let's yes. get out of here. I want to go to bed. All right. Shall we uh, uh, shall we do the rundown? Yeah, we got to keep to formalities. Mm-hmm. So to wrap mm-hmm. it up, Golden Rocco's three, Lee's most disappointing were Smile, The Nun, and motherfucking Jonathan Majors. Oh my god! <laughs> this worst of twenty twenty three: Children of the Corn, Resident Evil, Death Island, Exorcist, Believer, The Invitation, and The Curse of La Llorona. And Lee's top 10 of 2023, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Zom 100, Val, Street Fighter 6, Tetris, Evil Dead Rise, Final Fantasy 16, Honkai Star Rail, Baldur's Gate 3, and Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token. Hell yeah. Very nice list. All right. So Cats, uh, uh, Golden Roccos of 2023. Um, bummers were Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. <laughs> Forspoken and Near Automata. Uh, worst of the list, uh, or sorry, worst of the year list, Modern Warfare 3, 
Silent Hill Ascension, uh, Cowboy Bebop, the live action uh, Netflix adaptation, Fallon Wonderworld, and Velma. Um, special shout out to A Cure for Wellness as my barbarian. Um, and then my best of list is Final Fantasy 16, Evil Dead Rise, uh, Sherlock Holmes The Awakened, Alan Wake 2, Cowboy Bebop The Anime, Pentiment, The Changeling, Ginnamarink, The Only Good Indians, and Baldur's Gate 3. Fucking A. Uh, disappointing demonologist Megan Resident Evil 4. Hate. There's someone inside your house. Exorcist Believer, Pokemon Scarlet DLC, Slenderman, Cowboy Bebop. Honorable mention for Barbarian slash Congealed Failure to Silent Hill Ascension. Uh, best thanks, Thanksgiving, Fatal Frame 4, um, Poets of the, uh, the, the Five Nights at Freddy's, Poets of the Fall, Rebirth, uh, Armored Core 6, Final Fantasy 16, Hi-Fi Rush, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, The First Kiss That Never Ends, Killer Frequency, and Tetris. Fucking A. Oh, yeah. Renzi, thank you for sticking yeah. us out we've for made, five hours. we made it through three years of the Gooncast. Mm -hmm. Renzi, never ask me for anything ever again. Three solid years of goon stomping across the internet. Ah, oh, yes, sir. Fuck yeah. Here's to another year, gentlemen. That's um, right, to one more trip around the sun. Yeah. No. We'll, uh, we'll sign on out of here so Saber can go collapse into a puddle somewhere. <laughs> this has been your boy, the bodice Atva of Booba, Lee Alder, the Valley Jester. You can catch me playing Honkai Star Rail over at <laughs> twitch.tv slash Valley Jester. Uh, and I am Cat, aka the Attack Cat. Uh, you can catch me uh, on Saber's channel, where we're going through Bloodborne um, and you know random bits of Faz. And otherwise, I vanish into the ether, aka Faerun. <laughs> That's right. Cause uh, we still got three playthroughs going, baby. We ain't done. We're not done. <laughs> you know who I am, and I just want to remind you that there were five things that I thought were worse than my house burning down. Get fucked. <laughs> So when does your house burning down get a remake? We'll see. <laughs> Hi James, it's Ben Starr here. So, it says here that you want me to do an intro for the Gooncast about your favourite 2023 stuff and that you're splitting the video in two and you need an intro. So, here's an intro. Hi everyone, it's Ben Starr. And you're listening to and or watching and or just experiencing through the power of love alone the Gooncast best of 2023. How about this? Hi guys, it's the Gooncast. Fucking enjoy it. How about this? Yep, it's the Gooncast. I'm Ben and this is going to be fucking fun. 2023, what a year. What do they think? <laughs> um, hi everyone, it's Ben Starr here. You're listening to and or watching The Gooncasts 2023, stuff that happened and things they liked in it, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, great. Um, hi, I'm Ben Starr. This is the Gooncast podcast, 
and the chances are you're listening to the bit in between that they haven't quite decided yet and they've asked me to record something. So here it is, me just making some noise. Now that's range. James, I hope that was worth it. Um, all right, mate. Um, I... <laughs> Enjoy.